talk about Secret Avenger today. Are you ready? Are you ready yeah, to talk no. about him? Yeah, yeah. His name is Shang Chi. Everybody, are you guys ready to talk about Shang Chi? No. 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 I'm getting lots of stares. Lots no. of stares in the room. Lots of stares. Oh, I'm sorry. Sorry, I got a correction. Shang Chi. Hey. <laughs> hey guys, what's up? Can you just imagine like a letter passes behind. Ben. Uh, Kevin Feige has a sharpshooter on me right now. Hey guys, <laughs> I'm Ryan with the Fake Nerd Podcast. I got Brandon. Hello. And I got Ben. That's me. And I got Sparks. Hi. And it is episode 250. What does it say on the Four. camera? Four. 54 of the Fake Nerd Podcast, and we're talking about Shang Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings, and also Secret Avengers, which he's a part of. Thank you for joining us. If you're watching this late or live, or hello, Mag, I love you. What's <laughs> up? <laughs> hello, everyone. Uh, we have some links in the description before we get into our. Holy weeks. shit! Do we? If I you don't mind. Always. It was a big week. I always mind. For one fake nerd in particular. Sparks. Never. <laughs> ben Magnet, our own Ben Magnet, has a, a number of links in the description. Holy shit. Um, as far as the network goes, you know, you can check out other things uh, that we do on this channel. Like this video. I said it first for this time. Um, uh, Gamescom. We didn't talk about it on the news. Nope. Uh, because you guys did the Basement Arcade Pause mini episode on it. That we yeah. did. It would have been four, a uh, five and a half hour podcast if we threw it in. Oh, yeah. Uh, that is Bad Magnet number one, uh, well, featuring also, yeah. Ryan and Sparks. Well, hey. actually, I got to give the credit to uh, Sparks because he was the one who brought up the idea. So the credit technically goes to that guy. He's like, hey, let's do a Basement Arcade about this. I'm like, yeah, sure, let's do it. Oh, you finally got in the description. <laughs> in it to win it, baby. I love you. Um, That's what I do. Game, uh, Gamescom also exists as an audio uh, epi- as an audio show. Um, Basement Arcade po- uh, Pause Mini goes up on this feed uh, if you listen to the audio all the time. Um, so you can check that out both in video and audio formats. Ooh la la. Um, speaking of audio, um, oh no, sorry. Uh, and nope. you had a second Basement Arcade. I did. Pause Menu. I did. Uh, Howard Scott Warshaw. Yeah, I was really, really excited about this one because this is the guy who created E.T. the video game. He worked at Atari in the early 80s, and a lot of people, wrongly, on the internet accused him of causing the great video game crash of 1983. So we only got to talk for about like 30 minutes, but still it was amazing to talk to him. And I still haven't gotten off of that um, that little emotional high because to me this guy is a living legend in the world of retro video games. And the fact that he was like, "Yeah, sure, I'll talk to you for a few minutes," and he wants to come back and talk to us again, is like, "Holy shit!" It's awesome. Uh, I watched that uh, interview and it was delightful. He seems like a really, really nice guy, and he seems just generally enthused about games too. Yeah, nice. Um, Thank you for that, right? So audio and video as well. Um, that's that's up on both fi- on both feeds. Um, there are, are also some fake news. Watch stuff. Uh, real quick, speaking of audio, we put up the Disney Plus Marvel discussion with Mike Patola uh, in an audio format uh, this week. That's linked below as well. You can check that out if you uh, don't listen, if you don't watch video podcasts and want to hear that uh, uh, on your audio feed. In your ear holes. It, it is there now. Yeah. It's an opportunity for you to hear us talk about Disney Plus because we obviously don't do it on this podcast because we have a YouTube thing for that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But for you audio <laughs> listeners, if you just refuse to go to our YouTube, then. Now you can hear some of our thoughts. Yeah, <laughs> and if you know, maybe you'll come to YouTube, please. Um, and there's more Fickner, There's more Fickner's watch. There's what if episode three. Um, that episode is up as far as the Fickner's watch. We just recorded episode four, so that'll be up this coming week. Um, and the Star Trek Lower Decks episode three. Uh, myself and Darren Darren Nerdies, Michael Carls, uh, talk about the third episode. We'll always have Tom Paris. Uh, Tom Paris re- returning from his days on the Voyager. Is that who I put in the thumbnail? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I have no idea. <laughs> I was just like, 
This says it's from episode three and looks like a good picture. Yeah, that that's great. <laughs> I believe I'm building these thumbnails based off nothing. <laughs> that is that is Star Trek Voyager's own Tom Paris. Okay, cool. Well, well, I have to say you did a great job on the Howard Scott Warshaw one. Well, I mean that one, like I talked to you about, like I don't talk to Brandon about like what he wants the <laughs> Star Trek ones to be. Yeah, I just I Google images from that episode and wow. I pick one that looks good okay. and I'm like great and I just verify for sure it's from this episode right uh, <laughs> and then I toss it in and I just I hope it goes good and Brandon hasn't said otherwise so easy peasy <laughs> okay. I trust you you got yeah. this um, I am not watching that show so I have no that, idea what's happening um, I'm really enjoying the show uh, the fourth episode where we will record soon um, due to the schedules of, of Cookie and, and, and Michael um, it's just difficult to to find time to record them mm-hmm. um, but I'm really enjoying going through that series with them um, just that series in general is really cool um, that's that on the network stuff and then we'll go into some other uh, Ben Magnet stuff uh, Ben's latest article on OSG mm-hmm. Old School mm-hmm. Gamer Magazine dropped yep that, it, that is that. it so um, we're pro- we don't have it in the news and uh, this news has been circulating the internet for a while it's all this, this article is about um, graded sealed retro video games being sold at auctions for millions of dollars. Like a few weeks ago, uh, Super Mario 64, a sealed copy of Super Mario 64 was sold for $1.5 million, And then another copy of the original Super Mario Bros. was sold for $2 million. Scams, baby. So a YouTuber by the name of Carl Jobst, his last name is spelled J-O-B-S-T, he did a vid- an hour-long video about how these these are essentially scams, and I wrote an article based off that, saying why I am scared as a retro video game collector of people selling older games. Like, and these aren't just like Mario sixty four and the super and the original Super Mario Brothers are some of the easiest games to find. It's it's inflation just to make money, and then it's, yeah. it's going to ruin like it's going to ruin collecting, and it, like it's it's happens in comics and card collecting too. Like it's it's. It's a real shitty thing. Like, I mentioned this in the article. One of the most egregious games that someone's trying to sell was a not-for-resale copy of Super Mario 64. Uh, if, if For those of you who are wondering, what is a not-for-resale copy? It is a copy of a game that was sold bundled with a system, and there's a little sticker on it that says not-for-resale. It's my, imprinted in the sticker my itself. My Xbox 360 came with an Indiana Jones game. That's, or, or a Kung Fu Panda or something that a game says like you cannot resell because yeah, it came with this. Exactly. Yeah. So that's a way for um, like it's essentially so manufacturers so like retailers can't take the game out of the box and sell it again. Um, so this guy on eBay was selling this game for $10,000 and it doesn't come in a box. It doesn't come with anything. You guys want to know what PriceCharting.com has this game set for? $9. 50 bucks. That, I mean, that copy of the game is a little more rare, but once you plug that sucker into your N64, it is literally the exact same freaking game as any other Mario 64. Did somebody spend $10,000 on it? So far, no. Good. So, Good. So that article is linked below. Yeah, go ahead and read it. Listen to his passion. Read his passion. Passion in your eyes. I am passionate about games. There's also another article in the description from Bed Magnet. Um, he put up. Jesus, a, again. Oh yeah, that one. Yeah, he put up. A, he almost choked on his drink. On the drink of the things he's done. I forgot what I um, did. Choking on himself. You put up an article on our website, thisthatfakenerpodcast.com, on his blog, Nostalgia's Bitch. Yep. Um, uh, and a review mm-hmm. of In Beta. I did. Now, if you're wondering why uh, this review is a lot less um, wordy than my previous one about Ready Player Two. Uh, so the book in beta about by Prescott Harvey is is a really good book. I had a really good time reading this, and this review is just I mean this is me praising the book. It does have a few problems, which I won't go into here, but other than that, it's still a really fun read. It is um, I was scared it was gonna be very like shoving '90s nostalgia down in your throat, like Brit- 
great player two was it's not it's a fun read um it definitely it hits on a few things kind of like it hits on a few things that free guy hit on mm-hmm. and i highly recommend it so if you ever find that in a bookstore and you weren't trying to find a good thing to read i would highly recommend you pick that up and give it a go nice and read his review on the Facebook and read podcast the website yeah links below yeah um, and I also started. Uh, I, I started writing for. Um, I'm going to freelance for Atomic Geekdom, which is another podcast network. Sorry, Ooh. betrayed our own network. Um, it's not betraying. Uh, Atomic Geekdom. I uh, they liked what I wrote, so they published it, and I'm going to write some more stuff for them. Um, what? Talking to the mic. Oh, sorry, I went <laughs> too far from the mic. <laughs> um, so uh, that 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 what what, what did I write? Okay, I wrote uh, Black Widow. It's uh, a Black Widow. The Scarlett Johansson lawsuit with Disney. Mm-hmm. I wrote about that. I just kind of like an informative piece of the news of just what was going on with that and how it uh, and how Scarlett Johansson, you know, w- uh, what led to it and things like that. So, uh, you know, it's up there now. Um, I'm going to write more for them. Um, nice. So that's cool. That's awesome, dude. Got another freelance job. Yay. And then Ryan. Yeah. You have a downright annoyed with movies. I do. We talked about Andre the Giant, which is a documentary on HBO Max. Oh. Uh, it's a it's it's exactly what it sounds like. It's a documentary about Andre the Giant. Uh, it's fantastic. It's it's a real short. It's like an hour and twenty five minutes. Um, so like if if you want to watch something and you don't feel like you have the time, like this is a short one, but it's got like it's really meaty. Um, Andre the Giant was a really really interesting dude, and like it's just it's about a dude who you know grew up with with this giantism, and like he like he died because he just wouldn't stop growing, and he wouldn't do anything about it because he was really stubborn, and like he wanted to use his size like make people happy because that's like he just wanted to entertain people and ended up killing them and it's just really sad and he had such a beautiful and tragic life like behind the scenes and it's just it's a really great documentary and uh, uh i it's a really good episode of the uh, uh downright annoyed bored annoyed whatever the hell the show is called i'll never remember <laughs> um it's a good episode because like we all used to watch wrestling or we still do and it's like this the show's like what's important and what's really special about wrestling uh, wrestlers are people who are, they are actors and they're also stunt performers and they put their bodies on the line every single week, sometimes multiple times a week. Uh, and like, they're just like football players, like they get hurt and like they get half the, they get half the respect that rest, that, uh, s- that athletes do. Right. Uh, and it's just a bummer and, and wrestling is really cool. And it made me just really, really respect wrestling again. Not that I sure. lost it, but like it made me remember like, oh yeah, I was obsessed with wrestling. I used to go to wrestling events all the time with my dad and stuff. And I was like, oh yeah, wrestling is sick. It's just like comic books just on a, on a stage. Uh, so that's great. Yep. Good stuff. And yeah. before we go, that's all the links, links, all those links are down below in the description. You can check those out. Uh, a lot of cool stuff around the, around what we do. Um, so, uh, yeah, cool. And before we get into our, our week, um, real quickly, Mag says, hello. Hi, hello. Mag. Hey, Hi, Mag. Mag. Welcome. Um, and, uh, Marlon. Marianne Papadopoulos. Okay. Ooh, is she uh, Greek? <laughs> yes, yeah, she is. What's up? And it, that's insane. She, I know her. She's one. Hi, Marianne. She's one of my friends. Okay, um, that's all. Uh, so why don't we get into our week? If you don't mind, I will go first. Wow. So Brandon wants to go first. Holy shit. This Stop a, the press. This is a new era what day of is podcasting. It? Brandon never volunteers to go first. Is it on, Brand's day? I, on today, September 5th, Brandon decided to go first. Write it down. Write God, it down. God damn, this is going to be in our next trivia. Uh, what's Holy up, Brandon? Shit. Tell me about your week. I really hope this lands well. <laughs> uh, nothing. Cool. I did nothing. You did nothing? I consumed nothing. I watched nothing. Nothing. Beautiful. You sure? I'm sure. I'm calling mm. bullshit. You watched a What If episode? You watched Shang-Chi? Nothing that I didn't do for this podcast. How about that? Mm. I will add that addendum. Because I did, you know, I cut, I cut, I cut, I, you know, I kept up with shows like Lego Masters, but I don't really talk about those week to week. Sure. 
So, and I didn't watch any movies this week except for Shang-Chi. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, nothing. Nice. Well, I'll go next then. Cool. I also didn't do anything. <laughs> no, okay, so the one thing I... There the was something one, in the water. The one piece of media that I did consume that wasn't for the show was I watched the first two episodes of What We Do in the Shadows. It came back. Oh, yeah. Yep, it came back, and Fanny and I were able to sit down and watch the first two episodes, um, and that's about it. Like, the only other thing I did was, like, the night before the Howard Scott Warshaw um, episode dropped, I started reading his book, uh, What's Upon Atari. So I got, like, a few chapters into that. And that's a pretty good title. Yeah, I know it is, right? Yeah. Dune, Dune's just sitting there staring at Ben in the background. I did start Dune, uh-huh. but you're right. The bandages are in. Yeah, I, the Ben Jesuit's staring me in the face. It's uh, it's that what that creepy lady has got the box. She's like, put your hand in the box. Put your hand in the box. It's been Paul, so long since I've been at that moment in the book. Yeah, so he but, was the mind killer. But no, uh, Dune is there. Uh, Once Upon Atari is there, and besides that, I didn't do. I didn't play any video games. Unfortunately, I didn't. Um, I I wrote my piece for um Old School Gamer, which is down below. Um. I, w- I was promoting the hell out of my um, Howard Scott Warshaw interview. That's pretty much all I did. Besides that, I went home. I went straight. Th- I read a little bit. I went straight to bed. And then, uh, the yeah, that was it. I did not have very much of a productive week outside of podcasting stuff. Hell, yeah. It's going to be a short episode. I love it. What's up? I'm going to go next. It's going down the line. Um, Did I do anything with eSports? Motherland ended, so and we didn't watch Superman. Oh, I don't think we did. Okay. I don't think we did anything um, besides watch what a... I I read two issues of the new of Moon Knight. So I read issues one of two of the new series by Jed McKay. Um, that book's really awesome. It's continuing. I like that every writer um, uh, who takes on Moon Knight is just taking the the past stories and just like yeah, we're running with it. Like nothing's not continuity. We're just gonna move on um, and do new stuff. It's got a great cast. Like his new like his new like second in command is like a vampire, and like Moon Knight's just hanging out with people who are bloody. And she's like, shit, I can't be around here. There's too much blood. <laughs> Uh, it's just a really cool concept. I really like it. Uh, so definitely check that out if you want some Moon Knight. Um, uh, I watched a movie, but I'll save that for last. So I'm trying to think if I did anything else. Uh, I played I played Avengers, but I always play Avengers. I played Fortnite, and I bought Ghost Rider because he came back around, and he's like, <laughs> Ryan, you've read like 400 Ghost Rider comics. <laughs> Come on. You like, have read a lot of uh, Ghost Rider. Take my Viva. I'm uh. scrolling through my Twitter, and a bunch of stuff that Ryan is tweeting is shots of him reading of like pictures of panels from Ghost Rider books. Oh, yeah. I'm just, I'm just living. I mean, he's just living in me. I'm living in him. It's fine. Um, so I did that. Um, I watched, so I saw Shang-Chi, which we're talking about this week, and that mm-hmm. stars Tony Lung, or it's one of the, one of the stars of Shang-Chi. Um, and I was like, this guy is really cool. I like him a lot, uh, but he's not really an American actor. He's mostly a nope. Chinese actor. Mm-hmm. So uh, I looked up his filmography, and I'm like, oh, I, I know this movie uh, by reputation. It's called uh, In the Mood for Love, and it's a two th- it's a year 2000s uh, Wong Kar Wai uh, drama. Criterion film. And it is, uh, guys, one of my favorite movies that I've seen in my entire life. Oh, my God. Um, in the hands of somebody else, this would be a trite, like very generic drama about people having an affair. Um, but in the hands of a insanely talented filmmaker, and also the fact that it takes place uh, in Hong Kong in the 1960s, um, it just gives it a completely different aesthetic, so it's easy to watch as well. Um, but man, it's just, it is so well acted. Um, and it's not just Tony Long, it's also the, uh, the co-star, I believe her name is Maggie Chung. Um, she's, she's even better than he is. Like, she gives such a performance, like such a natural performance of like a housewife who is trapped in, you know, like, you know, in the 60s, like you have to be a housewife and that's what you do. Um, and is seeing this woman who 
who starts having uh, a emotional affair with Tony Long because uh, these two couples move in next to each other and then they start having an affair. So Tony Long and Maggie Chung start hanging out. But they don't actually start having an affair. They start hanging out. Uh, and their whole thing is like, we're not those types of people. We're not going to have the affair. Um, and it's just, it's an insanely well-made movie. Um, I don't want to talk too much about it because I don't want to spoil anything. But like, it's just so beautiful. And I've been thinking about it like for, like for the last couple of days. Uh, just good shit. I know you've seen it. Uh, it's just really good shit. Um, and yeah, Tony Long is just like, so talented and i'm like oh man i know he's like you know that dude's like 60 that dude looks so good uh wong kar wai is truly one of my favorite international directors ever yeah man i'm gonna definitely uh watch more of his stuff now um just the way he's able to take such a simple story and just make it feel so magical um and it's really heartbreaking like a truly like not a happy ending type of movie um really heartbreaking um i was straight up crying like a lot and i was like i really hope sparks doesn't walk in right now because <laughs> like the movie ended he just got home and i'm just like please don't come up here i'm balling right now um <laughs> truly like a type of movie that makes me appreciate art like really like uh just great stuff all around in the mood for love watch it highly recommended um uh ghost rider school there we go nice sparks uh most of what i did was work when i wasn't working i was reading a lot yay at work and at home yay are these comic books? Oh, yeah. Oh. <laughs> All of it. Yes. Uh, I read the first issue of uh, Transformer Shattered Glass. Um, oh, which, I was going to uh, read that and I forgot. Dang which uh, Ryan has upstairs. Yep. Um, but uh, it is a alternate universe where um, the Decepticons are the good guys and the Autobots are the bad guys. And uh, the art is really good. The setup of the world of Cybertron now, um, it's like the war was lost and the Decepticons lost it. And in this context, the Decepticons are the good guys. So they're just kind of like stuck on Cybertron trying to survive. Um, the power factions are broken up between three different rulers on Cybertron in their own areas of the planet. One of them is Optimus. Um, and then there are two others. And they frequently put out bounties for rewards on Decepticons. And so this is all about a bounty hunter hunting down Starscream. Uh, it's really good. And in the context of Starscream, like, being Starscream, but being a more, like, uh, you you stomped on the freedoms of the good people character, like, saying that to people is, like, oof, this is fun. Um, I really like it. It's written by a lady. Uh, Danny Lore. Uh, yes. Uh, uh, she's fantastic. Yes. Uh, and it's just a nice... Um, Breath of Fresh Transformers air, uh, and I was very much primed in the mood for it uh-huh. Uh-huh. Uh, f- because of War for Cybertron, and I'm like, I-, I like that there's something out here that's saying, you know, like, this isn't, like, flipping the script on in the same way that that was, which is, like, maybe the Decepticons have a point. This is just straight up, the Autobots are the bad guys, and the Decepticons are the good guys, and they just they just switch sides, and so it's those characters are what the if? good guys, those characters are the bad guys. But it's still cool. It's still nice to see that. Um and there's a there's a search for Megatron going on because Megatron is missing, <gasps> and so it's like the search for Optimus, but it's the search for Megatron, and that's is he called Megatron cool. Prime? Uh, like nobody said that yet. Okay, but Optimus isn't called Optimus Prime, so mm, I'm waiting for is it. Is he called Orion Pax? No, he oh. is called. Uh, woo. I don't remember because they. I don't remember if they actually said that it was his Optimus name? or if they just showed his his figure in the background. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, okay, so that's Optimus, and maybe I said that in my. I'm brain. gonna read it and I'll let you know. I don't remember if they said him by name or not. 
I think they did call him Optimus. Sure. Um, but we'll see. Uh, Optimus, we, we very barely see it in the art because he's very far back, but he's got like a purple and green design now. Ooh. Oh. Um, Nemesis Prime. It's, it's cool. Um, so that's one of the things I read. Um, I also read a lot of Reign of X. Uh, I'm, I'm working my way up. Downtown. And uh, part of that is that I forgot that I never finished Juggernaut, so I finished Juggernaut. Um, that was a great series. Hell yeah. I loved that I'm five glad issue you picked series. it up. Yeah. Um, so I finished Juggernaut. That was awesome. Really enjoyed it. Really, really happy I read it. Yeah, that um, Ron Garney art is so good. I also wound up in this batch reading two issues of Wolverine. Um, and the paneling on them is incredible. I just wanted to highlight that. Like, the paneling on these Wolverine Do you issues. remember what issues they're specifically? I don't remember the number, but, okay. like, the, one of them is the issue where he goes back to the federal agent's house and they just kind of swap stories. And mm-hmm. so you get a lot of like the broad single line paneling. Mm-hmm. And it's like creating large images, but with small images in the myths. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And this is about like his history. This is where he's going looking for um, the other guy. Who Solemn? Was man- uh, muh, muh, damn it. Um, I oh, read too many the things. Oh, the guy with no nose. <sighs> the, guy who was there, the guy who was there, the guy who they're, they're bidding out. Uh, and he was there with Sabretooth I, and Wolverine. I forget the name. It's been a long yes. time. Yeah, uh, yeah. So th- he's going to get him. Um, gotcha. Oh, uh, Ben wants me to <laughs> to acknowledge. Um, I can't pronounce this name, so why don't you? Ali Sai A.U. She's from Australia. She's one of my friends Hi. from Australia. And she's also a future guest on a Base Marquee Pause menu. Hi, Ali. The future is now. The future is here. Go ahead, Sparks. Uh, yeah, but it was a lot of like reading up Brain of X. Um, I hit a point where, uh, so I'm at Sword 2, and that's all about like, hey, this is taking place during King in Black, and I'm like, oh yeah, I guess I should read King in Black now, uh, which then took me back, I guess I should read the Venom issues I didn't read that led up oh, to that. <laughs> so now I'm in Venom, guys. Nice. <laughs> and I read like six <laughs> issues of Venom. Nice. Um, Venom. Catching up. Uh, but that's not all I read. I also read the two issues of Tom Taylor's Superman, Son of Kal-El. Yay! Ah, uh, oh, damn it. Okay, I went to the comic book store, I bought my books, and I totally forgot to get Superman, Son of Kal-El. Mm-hmm. Run, don't walk. Run, don't walk. Run, don't Superman, walk. Superman, Son of Kal-El. Uh, gotcha. It's so good, right, dude? It's so good, right? Run, don't walk. Oh, okay, okay. Uh, I'm enjoying it. Um, I'm very happy for Tom Taylor that he has this. Mm-hmm. It's It's good. It's good stuff. Uh, I also read the first five issues of Secret Avengers, but I'll touch on those later in context of the six or twelve issues that are our book club. I also but I read, read those because I, I was like, those. they're right here on Marvel Unlimited. I have the time. They make it easy. While I'm on break is at work because I worked a lot of hours this week, so I had a lot of breaks. So I'm like, cool, I'm just go read issues. Um, and so that was that was a lot of my reading stuff. I also uh played Knockout City. Beep, beep, beep. Um, they have a. They have a superheroes event right now, my friends. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It is very good. Uh, I really like it. It's a ton of fun. Um, it adds in like all these special perks, and they rotate every time you pass away. And it's really nice when they rotate, and you get the good stuff sometimes. The good stuff. And not good the, stuff. the weaker stuff. Because there's a double jump. You don't need a double jump in that game. I don't think the double jump does uh, a lot. I've pro- there were times where I was playing Knockout City where I could definitely uh, use uh, a double allow jump. Me, allow me to amend. The double jump is not so helpful against all the other power abilities that other people get. Yeah. Gotcha. So okay. it's kind of like, cool, I can't wait till I die so I get a different power. <laughs> but I also don't want to die because I don't want to beef up their score. Because there's also, like, um, 
super strength, where if you um, you can like dash, you charge, someone, you can charge you people, and you can pick them up. You automatically turn the person into a ball. Oh, um, okay. That one's a pain in the ass. But nowhere near as bad as super charge up, which is anytime you throw the ball, it's like you fully charged it. Oh no! So it's really fun with a sniper ball to do that. Oh, that's oh. instant death. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, a lot of people like uh, made the mistake of like they would throw the football at me and they wouldn't throw it committed enough, so it'd be an easy catch, and I'd be like, "Bazam!" and <laughs> they're just gone. <laughs> All right, yeah. r- real quick. If you don't know what we're talking about, Knockout City is a three v three dodgeball oh, style. It could be much game. more than that. It could be four v four. It could be two v two v two. Yeah, but it's a dodgeball style game where you're on teams, and the goal is to knock people out. The more people to knock out, more points you get. Yeah, I, yeah. I really want more people in our friend group to play it because I love that game. There's also um, there's the there's the one where you can where your any bounce pad will turn you into a bomb ball. Will turn oh. you into like a super like a like you know uh, that one's really great if you can like. You know, if you could like aim it on a good map, and you you have it, really annoying if someone else has it. Oh, I bet it is. Uh, or, or if two other people. Two as other it happened people. to me in two matches yesterday. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I also played Knockout City. I'm sorry, I forgot to mention. No, it's okay. Um, I really like this event. It's a good event. Uh, it's only around for another week, so hop in. No, because I saw um our friend Marty post stuff on his Instagram. Yep. And I would be looking at it while I'm at work. I'm like. This looks fun. How much more? Ah, uh, damn it! Everyone's gonna be asleep when I get back home. Uh, I I highly recommend picking it up more. Um, I, I I long to play more games with you guys, so uh, I would love it if you did that. Um, I'll stay up late for you, Ben, one day. Some some last things I'll touch on are that I watched an episode and a half of Flash. I'm now in the middle of the two part finale. Um, it's going fine. Uh. Uh, I'm 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 intrigued to watch what what I'm watching right now because it's uh, it's also like their two two hundredth episode celebration mm-hmm. um, I believe wow uh, or hundred and fiftieth I'm not sure That's it's one of the two um, good for them uh, they're doing they're doing Godspeed stuff um, <laughs> but I watched another show it's a Hulu original uh, that just came out this last week and it's called Only Murders in the Building I heard about that. Uh, this is a uh, show written by Steve Martin and another person. It stars Steve Martin and Martin Short and Selena Gomez. Um, this is a good show. Uh, is it? I'm really it happy had a to hear three that. Episode, it had a three-episode premiere this week, and uh, I watched all three episodes with Megan. Um, really like it, guys. Uh, it is It is described as a dramedy. I would have called it a light drama until this last episode, mm-hmm. where the comedy really ticked up. Um, but it's very... It's very well played dry comedy. Um, Steve Martin and Martin Short are doing the kind of things you'd expect for them to do, but they're much more subdued than they usually are. Right. Uh, their their stuff is is the similar. You get how this is still Martin Short and Steve Martin kind of doing the things they're the most comfortable with, but it's subtle. If Steve Martin and Martin Short got married, his name would be Martin Martin. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's toned down. Um, and uh, and I think it's working to their benefit. They have some great guest stars. The most recent episode had Nathan Lane on it. Cool. Ooh. Um, but also, they're building. Uh, you see a lot of the people who live in their building by the context of what the show is. Let me say what the show is real quick. Uh, these three characters, Selena Gomez and the two, um, they all end up on an elevator together one day, and another person comes on. And that person who lives in their building ends up getting killed later that day when a fire alarm is pulled. While the fire alarm is pulled and they're investigating, they all end up going to the same restaurant and learn that they're all obsessed with the same true crime podcast, which 
they pay attention to the way like people pay attention to old old school appointment scheduled release television. Mm-hmm. So like the moment the podcast episode drops, all three of them are passionately awaiting to listen to it. So they're all talking about and invested in the episode of that night, which makes them all realize that they're very into this kind of thing. So when they come back and they find out someone's been murdered in their building and it was the person that they were on the elevator with, they decide that they're going to begin investigating. Martin Short's character specifically with the angle of wanting them to create their own true crime podcast about investigating it as they're learning about it. But the other two just wanting to solve the mystery of it. Right. Because, uh, the, so the whole thing is like everyone else says that it was a suicide. And they're like, that doesn't make any sense based on the interaction they had with him in the elevator. Which is true. Uh, so as the episodes go, you begin to meet more people who live in the building. And this, the roster of people who live in this building are filled with bit actors. People who you don't know their names, but you know their faces. Mm-hmm. And they are now constant recurring characters. They are the the B list characters of this series, and they constantly are are coming in. And it's like it's really nice that they're giving all these actors work because again, like these are a ton of people who you're like I see them all the time, and now they are like really consistent characters here in the background, which I think is really cool that Steve Martin and Martin Short did this. These are people who I think both of them have worked with before in multiple instances across the board. But it's nice to see all of them because they're just they're usually like a one-and-done scene kind of character, uh, those kind of characters, and but they're all here. It's really cool. Um, Selena Gomez is really good in it. I highly recommend the show. Uh, it got funnier, but I didn't need it to. It was already just good uh, with its character work, so recommend. I read two issues of the, the newest Shang-Chi comic book, the ongoing that just started by nice. Jin Yun Lang. It's pretty good. That's the end of my week. Oh, we okay. we played, we shot some Xenos a little bit. Oh, we did a thing. We shot some Xenos. We did. Guys we started forget. playing Aliens Fireteam Elite. That's all I'm gonna uh, say about that. It's going to be a basement arcade. Eventually. Yeah. Eventually. Eventually. I really like it. I really like it, too. The atmosphere of that game is really solid. Uh, the sound design is incredible. It's it's good. I I enjoyed playing it. Yeah, I can't think, wait. I, I think it's a good budget game. Yeah, I can't wait till we can actually get to like the, the Prometheus stuff with like the big head stuff. Yeah, it's gonna be good. Yeah. Okay, should we get into our bread and butter? I believe we shall. Yum 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 yum. Okay, bread and butter time. Yum yum in my tongue. Mm. Um, we got some sad news up top. Oh. Um, Wataru Mimura, who is a Japanese screenwriter. Known for Godzilla vs. Mothra, Godzilla vs. Mechagodzilla 2, Godzilla 2000, Godzilla against Mechagodzilla, and Godzilla Final Wars, passed away this week at the age of 67 oh. Whoa. after a long period of poor health. Oh, That's a shame. That is a shame. Those yeah. are a lot of good Godzilla movies out there. A lot of them, yeah. A lot of, a lot of spread out Godzilla movies. A lot of good ones, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's true. I mean, my fi- my favorite of those old school ones is Final Wars. Mm-hmm. I'll never I'll never get over Big Mustache Man. 2000 <laughs> is the only... Was until Shin the only Japanese Godzilla film I saw in theaters. Ooh. Ooh. I remember when the marketing for Godzilla 2000 came out because it was right after 98, and then I saw that my brother was like, Hey, he puts me in front of uh, the computer, and it took like five minutes for the web page to, lo- the web page to load. And when it finally did, I saw Godzilla 2000, and I was like, Oh my God, and I never saw it in theaters. 2000 has one with like the white eyes, right? Like the scary eyes? Yeah. God, I love it. Mm-hmm. Oh, I love it. And the, the, uh, the last time the an original monster was created until uh, until uh, Muto? Muto. Yeah. Mm. Um, real quickly, Mag says a little thing. Uh, Mustache Man was a real wrestler in Japan. Didn't know that. That's oh. awesome. That's why he's so good at those moves. Godzilla Final <laughs> Wars, yeah. Uh, poor man's Tom Selleck. 
Um, okay, guys. We're, uh, hey, we're still in pandemic. Buy our masks. Links in the description. Let me tell you real quick, real quick. I walked to 7-Eleven the other day, yeah. and I realized I didn't have my mask, so I just walked all the way back home, and then I got my car, and I drove there <laughs> <laughs> with my mask because I'm like, I'm not walking back. with it. can't do it again. That's good. Um, the delays, the movie delays, they're back. Oh, dun, 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 dun. With thought, a vengeance. thought they were done. Um, Mission Impossible 7 was pushed to September 30th, 2022. Oh, sh- oh sh- God dang it. Dude, that one hurt. Dang it. That one hurt. That's a year, man. Yeah. Ugh. I will point out that I think Mission Impossible in particular is more a reaction to like how much time they think they need on the back end of working on the film because it just is finishing its mm, rap its wrap in production oh, rather than like get it. actual COVID concerns of when the movie would release. Mm-hmm. Um, Top Gun Maverick was pushed to May 27th, 2022. Yeah, was this what? supposed to come out? Yeah, that was supposed to come out in December, wasn't it? That movie mm-hmm. has been pushed. Yeah. Jesus, man. I, I thought that movie was done. It is done. It is done. <laughs> no, just, it is done. They're worried. Ab- th- that one is they're worried about. Mm. It's um, uh, too, too expensive. How it will do during COVID. Yeah. Oh, okay. Man. man. Jackass Forever was pushed to February 4th, 2022. I was, God, I was, that, that's a low-budget movie. They don't need to push that one. That, that one's silly. Yeah. yeah. And Ghostbusters Afterlife was pushed two weeks to November 19th, 2021. Okay, two two weeks ain't that bad. It's out of October. Yeah, but that's but lame. That's I, I don't get it. Why move mm-hmm. two? Why the other ones are moved all the, all? The week it was supposed to come out also had also had I don't know if currently still has No Time to Die and Dune. Holy oh. shit! So I think they were kind of like maybe we don't compete with this. Yeah, man. <laughs> man. Yeah, calendars are awful, right? Are. There's one week of of October that is just awful, and I, I think people are starting to get away from there. Man, um, Mag says another thing. Ooh. I love Mag. Was uh, was excited for Jackass, but now worried for Halloween Kills and Spider Man No Way Home. I don't think Spider Man No Way Home gets moved. <sighs> don't know about Halloween Kills though. They had to push it another year, and I don't think they're willing to do that. I don't yeah. think they're gonna push Halloween Kills another year. Uh, so I think that uh, that a lot of this is a response of less. I'm concerned about people not going to the movies, and instead is I'm concerned about people not going to our movie. Which is that yeah. Shang-Chi, I think, helped prove this, which is there are some things that you know people are going to go see and yeah. it's going to be fine. And there are other things where, like, if they're in competition, maybe that's the one they skip the theaters for during this time. And, like, you yeah. know, you, you decide what you're willing to take the risk for. Mm-hmm. Not all this, like, Jackass Forever, I understand, like, if you're in around the time of No Time to Die, you're like, uh... We might not be the one people decide to take the risk on if we want to make back any money off yeah. of it. So let's move it, and that makes sense to me. I agree with Brandon. Uh, there's there's no world I think where Halloween kills uh, moves. Yeah, no. I think Halloween kills stays. It knows yeah. its audience will come. Yeah, mm-hmm. and it has to come out on Halloween. Oh yeah. So they can't. They're not going to push it another year. No, no, but if it's Halloween, then it must be Saw. Yeah. Okay. That's the marketing. I remember and, that marketing uh, and. I don't think Spider-Man moves. No, nah, December, so it's going to make a billion dollars. Like It's supposed to lead into yeah. Doctor Strange, and I don't think Doctor Strange is moving. Yeah. No. Well, even even without that, like, I just, I don't, like, even with that just being Sony's decision, like, I think they have the confidence that, like, Spider-Man will get its audience. Oh, yeah. Because the other thing that is that, like, international sales still matter, mm-hmm. and we're, like, we're in a bad spot with the pandemic for sure, but again, like, it's a bad spot of the unvaccinated. Sorry, guys. Like, go get vaccinated. Um, you want to go see movies, like, go get vaccinated. Mm-hmm. Want to go see live sports? I'm sorry that there are people that are sick. No. I'm sorry that there are people working in hospitals who oh. have to deal with them. I hate. I it. mean, the, the reason why the reason the reason why I brought the whole live sports thing is because the uh, the Las Vegas Raiders just officially announced that you have to be vaccinated in order to go to a home game this year. If you're awesome. not vaccinated, you're not going in. God. 
Well, which uh, I like can only the, imagine is going to make a lot of people pissed off. But well, and of course that. we are in a situ- in this situation because like our administration, our government didn't take seriously enough to enforce you should be vaccinated to do things because this is a pandemic and we are reaping what is sown from that. Mm-hmm. We planted happening. it. All right. On that happy note. <laughs> but yeah, in general, um, like I think a lot of these moves are much more like calculated. Of, it's not that they don't believe people will go to the movies necessarily, but more will people go to my movie? I don't think this is as as uh, bad as when we were in the height of the pandemic. And oh yeah, yeah. Was kind of no, I don't think off. I don't think you're gonna again. Shang Chi's numbers kind of helping prove. I I don't think that most of these things need to move. Yeah. yeah. Um. So smaller productions maybe. Some sequel news uh, of the unexpected variety. Oh. Expendables 4 is officially in production. Expendables 4? Uh-huh. Oh. I've never seen 3. Yeah. I mean, so, uh, Antonio Banderas is pretty good, isn't it? Solid Chuck Norris nice. joke. That's in 2. Oh, that was? Yeah. Two's, Damn two's, it. 2 is the best one. 2 is the best one. 2 is the best one, yeah. Uh, Sylvester Stallone, Jason Statham, Dolph Lundgren, and Randy Couture are all returning. Was it Ronnie Rousey in 3? Yeah. Yep. Yep. Was she bad in that one? Yep. She, I think she was like a double agent. Right? No, no, she no, wasn't. no, no. She's just bad actress. Oh, I'm thinking. Um, I think. Well, that's true. Am I thinking of Fast and Furious? Actually, I don't remember anymore. <laughs> she's also in Fast and Furious. Yeah, yeah but yeah. she only had like two lines in Fast and Furious. <laughs> she was bad in that one, right? Uh, yeah. Okay, cool. Uh, Fifty Cent, Megan Fox, and Tony Jaw are joining the are joining the cast. Fifty Cent. Is Fifty Cent gonna talk about how he got shot again? No, that's that was that was twenty years ago. He's done with that. Now he's all about like sponsoring vitamin water. Yeah. And uh, Scott, Wah, Wah. I hope I don't. I don't think it's wah. How's it spelled? W a u g h. Wah wah. Okay. Uh, who directed Need for Speed? Uh, will direct the film. Oh man. Okay. Uh, from a script by Spencer Cohen, who did the recent uh, Netflix film Extinction. That's the one with the with um, Michael Pena. Yeah. And uh, Mike Coulter. Uh, nope. All right. <laughs> I heard it was bad. Uh, it's one of those Netflix ones. The upcoming Moonfall. Oh, okay. Oh. <laughs> um, <laughs> oh, boy. I did see Michael Pena's face in Moonfall. This movie's a dud, guys. <laughs> um, they are, uh, th- they're they're writing with Max Adams and John Joseph Connolly, who don't have a lot of credits to their name. All right, cool. cool. In S- fact, jo- uh, John Joseph Connolly has no credits to his name. Man, Expendables 4. I mean... We're we here, guys. We finally did it. I mean, we keep saying anything can be good, but... I'd rather like see that 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 lady's spinoff that they never did. The one with Mila Jovovich. Yeah, yeah, me too. I'd rather see that do that. Um, this is not of the. But uh, they would have needed women to actually make the film because that would have been nice to have them behind the scenes, and they would just never let that happen. Yeah, yeah I know. Uh, this is actually not of the unexpected variety. I lied. Jungle Cruise is getting a sequel. I'm. Uh, y'all knew. You know. I, I'm kind of bummed, and I, like, I am I, too. And like, I know it's a franchise. Like, I it's, like I expect it to happen, but I was just like, oh man, it's. Uh, uh, I'm sure it'll. Be I fun. truly, it was, I truly wish that they'd come away from it going, "We don't need a sequel to this movie. We just need another movie with Dwayne Johnson and Emily." Yeah, Blunt and right. yes, and like be Disney doing it, and I'd be fine. Yeah, like obviously their careers together are going to be intertwined for the next few years because Emily Blunt's going to be in a movie that his production company is making mm-hmm. about Pinkertons. Uh, they were inevitably going to work together again. Like they they yeah. enjoyed it clearly a lot. Uh, as I as my Megan pointed out to me earlier today that Emily Blunt's wearing the Rocks branded exercise clothing when she goes to work out. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, they clearly like really like each They're other. Homies. They're good friends. Yeah. That's awesome. 
I don't need Jungle Cruise too, though. So the no entire the entire creative scene the entire creative team is uh, returning. Let's well, um, uh, Obviously, the whole cast. Uh, uh, Dwayne Johnson put this up on his Instagram. He was like, "Hey, just just got out of the phone. We're doing it. We got everyone back. Contracts are signed. Let's go." Made a um, billion dollars. Yeah. Well, actually, interestingly enough, it is only the the fourth. It was only the fourth film to make it over a hundred million dollars domestically uh, in twenty twenty one. Uh, there are now five because um, something else. Yeah, that, do- that doesn't count the Disney Plus thirty dollar. That stuff. doesn't count the Disney Plus. This right. is domestic block. Ho- no, I know. I just wanted to confirm that. Um, mm. F nine, Black Widow. I believe that that one did did well, where Mulan did not. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so the rock sells. So yeah, so only the fourth film to re- release that that milestone. Crazy that we're living in this time where, th- yeah. where that's a huge milestone for this year. Yeah. So it does make sense that they would want to be like. Okay, clearly, if this wasn't a pandemic, this probably would have done really well. So let's let's go again. Yeah, my, uh, yeah, yeah. go ahead. My then. biggest thing is that we're going down the route of Pirates of the Caribbean one more time, where we have a film based off of a hit Disneyland attraction. That first film makes gangbusters, and now I'm scared we're going down. Disney has been chasing the Pirates of the Caribbean they, train for years. They Can did I? it with Haunted Mansion. It failed. They're doing it with Jungle Cruise. First one was pretty good, and now they're trying to do it again. Can, the first three... Fi- yeah, you can go go Sparks. Okay, so like what I hope happens is that this isn't Jungle Cruise 2. I hope this is like Pirates sequel. Ma- <laughs> Matterhorn. <gasps> oh, yeah, okay. Oh, I hope you take them and send them into another attraction that they can be in. God. See, if they do now, that. Set up a story around that. Yeah. Now I'm into that. Okay, if they do that, Man. that would be Well, because like, cause like con- contextually for the film, like what what is the value of necessarily if them going back to the jungle? They kind of finished their story there. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. There's a good opportunity for them to take a vast number of other Disneyland attractions do that a God are set of War. like that. Take them out. And yeah. take them and have them do that adventure. Maybe Okay, maybe not Big Thunder, but they can definitely... Skate. No, they could do Big Thunder. Dude, there's a, they there's can go a to the way Wild to do West. that. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Have like a Wild West movie, then they, can go, 100%. then they can go into the Matterhorn. I like the Matterhorn I'm now idea. 100% all in on the Jungle Cruise sequel, you guys. <laughs> I'm Only if it's that idea, Sparks. I'm right. 100% all in if it's actuals like Emily Blunt, Dwayne Johnson, uh, Matterhorn. They would, they would be a great vehicle to explore the attractions that are those kind of stories. Yeah. Or, or you could just be like, go to Matterhorn, go to Big Thunder Mountain, go, here's go down an, this you road. still call it Jungle Cruise. Or too. here's another good idea. Expedition Everest. And all of it. Yeah, absolutely. Sure. Like mm-hmm. either one Yetis, of them. Yetis, baby. Yetis play football and they do either, either one. Like uh, it, it's basically doing the same thing. Yeah. Um, uh, they both have Yetis. <laughs> yeah, they both have Yetis. <laughs> uh, it, like, yes, take them down that avenue to explore those uh, attractions and make those like I know yeah. they've talked about like making a big Thunder Mountain Railroad movie and I'm like cool do it just with these characters have them be the people who go on that adventure that's so much smarter yeah yeah oh. that's not yeah, what's gonna that, happen though I think. no <laughs> it's probably not but I would love it if it was man if it was that I'm a forget everything I just said yeah. if it's not that and they were they're going back Here, to it they're going to a well, different jungle I'm out here's the thing though even if it is just Jungle Cruise two I'm going back for Johnson and the Blunt. I'm doing it. Yeah, I'm doing it. <laughs> like I will. The way you said I liked that makes the first. I like the first movie. Uh, plenty to go see another film in this franchise. Sure. Uh, and I, I, I have no reason to think at this point that it'll, if it's just as good, I'm, I'm good. It's a yeah. good ride. Like the reason why I w- was really excited to go back to Pirates of the Caribbean was for Orlando Bloom and Johnny Depp, and now with. Um, and, Keira and Keira Knightley, of course, especially in two, where she gets her that kick-ass sword fight scene. Fudge, yeah. Jack Sparrow. Um, also, Bill Nye is kick-ass in that movie. Let's not deny that. But 
for Emily Blunt doing The Rock Johnson, yeah, I'll probably go back. But at the same time, I'm like, can we do some other stuff besides Emily just Blunt going back? I think the there's Rock such Johnson. a, I think there's such a, a vast opportunity for what they could still do with it related to Disneyland attractions. I'm hoping that something like that I gets guess, explored. Yeah. So yeah, I guess Brandon, you are right. Like, like the first movie was really good, so like, there's no reason to to think the next one won't be. I'm just worried that it'll be creative, creatively bankrupt, and it will just be a sequel to be sequel sake. So like, the I Rock just, has the Rock has his own brand of quality control that you're at least getting an entertaining ride. Yeah, that's true. No, that's true. Where was that one of the trailers we saw? I don't know. Anyway, yeah. Uh, oh. Mag says, as long as it's not a small ri- a small ride song. I think he means small world. <laughs> small world? <laughs> that's my, I, I oh my god! agree with you. Johnson and Blunt, it's a small world. <laughs> no, thank you. Okay. Moving on. Oh, yeah. Uh, to the, back to the unexpected variety of sequels. Oh. Uh, the Return of the Rocketeer. Officially in production oh. at Disney Plus. I'm so stoked I, for this. This story sounds I awesome. Honest to God, never thought this would happen. Yeah, it's been bouncing around for a long time. Yeah, this has been. Yeah, yeah, go ahead. Um, Disney, Disney Plus is developing the sequel. Um, David Oyelowo is producing and may star. He do, he's circling the lead role, but he's not sure. Um, this will be written by Edward Rickort, who wrote "Now You See Me," mm-hmm. um, and will focus on a retired Tuskegee Airman who assumes the Rocketeer mantle. Because The Rocketeer, that is one of those Disney films that has such a huge cult following, but they just never really touch upon it, right? Yeah. It's currently a Disney a Disney Junior TV show. That's yeah. a sequel oh, to it. Oh, really? Yeah. I did not know. And they brought him Disney Junior? That's so They brought uh, uh brought the character back in the comics, but like 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 a new character in the mantle. Um like 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 a lady being in the mantle. So like this is cool, man. Like, yeah, Rocketeer is a really cool idea. Uh, I see people cosplaying the Rocketeer all the time at conventions. That's a classic movie. Like classic like Indiana Jones esque, like, you know. Errol Flynn, fun movie, man. Doesn't he shoot Nazis? Hell, hell yeah, he shoots Nazis. The bad boys. Nice. I, I've been dying to watch it, but I can't get Zara to say yes. <laughs> hey, so just watch it on your own. I know, but there's one where she's just like, oh, I do want to watch it. So I'm like, <sighs> one, day. one day. One day. One day. One day you'll watch it. Um, uh, Timothy Dalton's in it. He's great. Sparks, anything to say about Rocketeer or no? Uh, I'm, uh, a, I really am a big fan of it. Um, I never thought that Disney would actually ever make any follow-up to it. Honestly, I, I thought it was one of those things where it was just on the level enough where like, yeah, people like it, mm-hmm. but it's it's pretty obscure. And the more the years went on, I'm like, I just don't see them ever touching it again. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'm I'm slightly surprised, to be honest. Mm, I'm thankful. Um, we'll be get ready to be surprised again uh-huh. because Hulu released Vacation Friends, which we uh, we this doesn't surprise me. <laughs> we, we, we just found out is is out already. Um, Who just found out? Well, I texted you guys. Oh, the picture would be like, hey, just so you know, it's on Hulu now. Oh, oh that's the one with John Cena, right? Yeah, John yeah. Cena. Oh, shit. Oh, shit. I thought that was coming to theaters. No, it's Hulu. Nope. it was a, pr- a Hulu original. Oh. Um, and Hulu, it is the... Well, it is a... It's 20th Century Studios right. film. Uh, it is... Uh, it broke all of Hulu's records. Wow. Uh, as far as viewership goes. So they are moving forward with a sequel called Honeymoon Friends, mm. which will... Uh, reunite everyone involved with Vacation Friends. Well, I guess that kind of spoils what happens at the end of that movie, I guess. Uh-huh. They don't die. They nope. get murdered. Even with uh, cocaine in their margaritas. That's a bad idea. We, should, do we should try I'm to... I'm ready to watch it. Yeah, we got to watch it. Yeah, I want to watch it. Let's do it. All right, Marvel Comics just had its 82nd anniversary. Happy birthday. Wow. You're looking great for your age. And they decided to announce some titles. Hmm. Uh, so I'm just going to run through them. Okie doke. Dark Rain, Devil's Rain, 
I was about to say I've read I've read Dark Reign. De- it's called Devil's Reign. Hell yeah! All hell breaks loose in the Marvel universe as the Kingpin finally declares all-out war on the heroes, having set the stage in their Eisner-nominated Daredevil epic. Chip Zdarsky and Marco Chichetto, Chichetto, a far-reaching uh, crossover event finds Mayor Fisk outlawing all superheroes in New York and unleashing intel on all their dark secrets. Mm-hmm. Uh, while pitted while pitting Daredevil, Electro, Captain America, Iron Man, Spider Man, and the Fantastic Four, uh, and many more against his Thunderbolt agents, but oh in the God. end, who will win? Guy, I'm so, uh, oh, so time good. out, time out for a second, because there's something I need to say, and I know you guys are gonna love this shit. Say it. So when you said uh, Dark Rain and the other thing, I was like, oh wow, there's gonna be a lot of titles with Rain. That long sentence you got into about Wilson Fisk, I thought that was a title. <laughs> Three, oh. three I, did, I didn't think it was the start of the synopsis. No, yeah, yeah, that's funny. Uh, I was like, that is a long-ass title, Jesus. I regret not staying up to date on Zdarsky's Daredevil. Me too. I was on it, Marvel and then Daredevil. I fell behind. That's oh, what, I know. Yeah. It's it's right there. I know. It's. Uh, that's I, I, I feel obligated up. to get that's how I caught up, up on X-Men, but like, uh, yeah. Um, so I just listened to a great, terrific podcast uh, uh, with Chip Zdarsky where he went into his subsets, Substack stuff. Um, what I uh, really want, oh, it was uh, Word Balloon. I highly recommend you guys listen to it. He goes into all the nitty gritties and like, and why why creators do it and stuff. But um, he talked about how he kind of got Leia Williams on this one, you guys, but not in the bad way. He he was talking about how uh, he's been on Daredevil for this long, you know, going up to issue fifty or whatever. He's like, yeah, I'm building up to this big thing with Wilson Fisk, Wilson Fisk like basically taking over New York, you know, uh, through the long game. And he's like, cool, we want we want to make that an event instead of just the next arc. Uh, so that's what's happening. So Daredevil is getting canceled, um, and a new Daredevil will launch out of this event with with still with Chip. Um, so at least he's coming back to it. But this event was so big that Marvel's like, no, we want to turn this into like our mainstay event. Uh, they really believe in it. That's well, really I kinda, cool. I kind of love Daredevil, it, especially that it's a Daredevil event, and it's an Electra Daredevil baby. Uh, I kind of yeah, I'm really happy because this is uh, the Mayor Fist concept has been done so well by Zdarsky so far, just from what I read. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the fact that they're really paying that off hard with like this is what's so bad about him being in this kind of power is great that it's actually going to be like. No, nah, this is bad for everybody. Oh yeah, everybody's gonna get in trouble with this one. Yeah, I regret not picking. I think it. it also. I think it also starts to create the, the portion of like where I'm getting in this in the where you get in the Marvel universe where it's like, how how do people like let Wilson Fisk do anything after this? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know. I regret after Charles Soul, I didn't keep going with Daredevil. Uh, well, so too late now. Charles Soul was really good though. Really it was. It. It, was, it was good. Uh, I was just Daredevil is one of those characters who pretty much doesn't have a bad. Run. I was thinking Almost, about yeah. this issue of Charles Soul's run where he where he goes to Adelan and fights Karnak and he's trying to end the fight before Karnak can realize that he's blind. Uh-huh. It's a really cool issue. Karnak's cool. Uh, okay, Avengers Forever pulls together archaeologist Tony Stark, aka the Invincible Ant Man. And Avengers from all across the multiverse to bring order to timelines where hope is a four-letter word. Jason Aaron and Aaron Cooter present an all-new series that will redefine the Avengers as the multiverse's mightiest heroes. We read Avengers Forever once before. I wonder why they're doing this event. Cr- pretty crazy they're doing this. And also there's another event we're going to talk about. Another one right after crazy. this. crazy. What's that about, Brandon? Timeless. The future of the Marvel Universe is here. And Timeless is where it all begins when a threatening new timeline emerges. Kang the Conqueror must fight his way through the coming year to protect the main 616 timeline he's worked centuries to solidify as his own. Jed McKay, Kev Walker, Joe Bennett, Mark Bagley, and more provide a first look at what's coming to the Marvel Universe in 2022 and a story that will prove the future is timeless. Man, this 
I have so many. Th- I'm super excited about the King stuff. I'm really, really bummed that Joe Bennett's on this book. Um, yeah, uh, for sure. It, this is a really interesting period at Marvel because it's starting to feel like it did about five years ago when the MCU was really taking hold of all the comics ideas mm-hmm. because all of this stuff, um, uh, except for like the Daredevil stuff, but like everything involving King and the Avengers Forever, like this is all MCU stuff. Um, but what specifically the King sacred timeline stuff has never, that's never been a thing except for now. Um, but I think what's nice about it is it feels like they're solidifying them it. getting ahead of the stuff. Because, like, yes, King ap- appeared in Loki and everything, but this feels like them kind of setting a, a standard go- for going forward where readers can be people who are watching the MCU, but now they'll come to the comics, yes. and the comics are already on their level rather than, like, playing catch-up. No, yes, but it's one of those things where Kang has had a continuity for 60 years, no, no, and no, now no, they're just part. turning it into the MCU version. Because no, I get that part. That's the part that I don't like. But that's that they do that with all the characters. Like, that doesn't mean that the characters are ruined or anything. It's just, like... They didn't have to do the sacred timeline thing. The multiverse has been fine the way it's been since the dawn of of Marvel. So like, for sure, it's just like it's. I just worry that like the the, the big influence is starting to to impede again. Because um, if you saw their release, this looked like an MCU timeline. Like like mm-hmm. they released all the events. Like it looked like oh these are the next four MCU movies. Yeah. It, it look they had. I even think like phase something. Yeah. Like, yeah. Um. It. And again, like all these things could be good. Uh. It just. It, I definitely looked at. It, I was like, wow, this definitely. Looks like that time where oh it's, it's all the stuff is the MCU stuff again. <laughs> I I definitely get why they're still trying to grab that audience where it's at. Yeah, because um, they're like clear clearly there's an audience interested in these characters, so we just need to get them reading these comics. Yeah, um, and what yeah. honestly, I think now they're in a better place to do it than they were five years ago because more people are going to comics right now. Yeah, the comic sales are are killing it. Yeah, these days. So like you have an audience who are watching the Marvel shows. And for the first time, really ever, on mass, are looking for comics to read uh, with these characters. So I think this is now. I think Marvel is in a place where they they can kind of like succeed in that mission that they've always attempted to. And uh, to while, succeed at. while I agree with Ryan about the Kang stuff, I don't really want it changed. I do understand why it's like that was confusing even to comic people. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so wanting to streamline it so someone can jump in and and keep up with Kang in a way that that, that translates for them if they're jumping from the MCU. I do understand. I'm not crazy about the choice. Mm-hmm. All right. X lives of Wolverine slash X deaths of Wolverine. Mm. Ten. Uh, House of X and Powers of Ten ushered in the first Krakoan age of the X-Men. Now Marvel Comics X li- uh, Ten Lives of Wolverine and Ten Deaths of Wolverine will test the best there is at what he does before any mutant can survive to the second Krakoan age. Benjamin Percy, Joshua Cassara, and uh, Federico Vicentini tell two interlocked tales about what happens to Wolverine when his past meets his future. So tons of people are speculating that this is this is secretly the Moira book because this is all about ten lives and she's the person who deals with ten lives. We're going to see it through Wolverine's perspective. Now that could all just be like nonsense, uh, but like it is like the next big event after Inferno. Well, um, in Ten of Swords, Wolverine sees Moira. Mm-hmm. And no one else has. Wolverine mm-hmm. is one of the. Wolverine is also one of the only surviving mutants, uh, in one of her lives when it mm-hmm. w- the far, far future. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and then in the ninth life, yeah. Um, so yeah, this is really cool. And again, it like Percy has been killing it on both of the Wolverine centric books, X Force and Wolverine. Um, and Kasara, Kasara on X Force, his art is just insane. Like that dude, that dude's killing it. He's like he's one of the best in the business right now. 
I'm yeah. excited. Like uh, people, people on the internet are pretty like, oh, another Wolverine event. Like it's it's been a while, and like he he sells comics. And so. also, he this does. is this is going to usher in this what what they're calling already the second Krakoan age. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is I believe I think this is the weekly series that we heard about when Hickman was leaving. The, no, this is this isn't the weekly series. Oh, there's oh there's another one that that's one starts into the no month? that one starts in January. I know this starts in January. Oh, oh, oh. Yeah. Then this, then this might be the weekly series. Then that's okay. what I, that's what I was thinking. Oh. Because they're saying that the the weekly series is going to uh, usher in the next age of Krakoa. Oh, okay. And then, that's yeah. what they said about this. So I'm like, oh, so th- it's this. Then yeah, this that makes sense. Yeah, if this is dealing with the lives and stuff, like yeah, yeah. Ooh. Um, yeah. We're now we're in 2022. Um, the only two that are coming out in 2020 uh, this year are Avengers Forever and Devil's Reign. Everything else is going out coming out next year. Gotcha, gotcha. I gotta say, I still think it's real cool that they're they're still releasing the trade paperbacks where they collected these as. Like as the story yeah. beats, yeah, it's uh, like so volume like ten right now, yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah. So how's how's uh so, uh Dawn of X is done. They're now in Reign of X, uh, paperbacks after Ten of Swords. Nice. Uh, so they've switched. So now it's Reign of X Volume One, Reign of X Volume Two, and uh, and they're still doing it. And I'm like, that's incredible. Yeah. Nice. She Hulk. She Hulk. Whoa. Marvel Comics She Hulk from Rainbow Rowell and Roger Antonia Antonia Antonio. Throws the book at Jennifer Walters as she tries to put her rage-filled days behind her and return to practicing law in defense of the innocent. But when a friend from her past comes knocking with a mystery she can't resist, She-Hulk gets back to bashing. Again, kind of glad that this is happening because it feels like them getting a little like ahead of the reactionary to the MCU show rather than waiting for it to hit. Mm-hmm. And then changing course. Well, no, this is this is good because She Hulk's in a terrible spot right now. Anyway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I mean, like, I'm glad that like they want to bring it back to that. Yes. Ahead of the the film and TV audience, like, no, yeah, because if you shift. you can't pick up a She Hulk book, She Hulk book now because she's just like a big dumb monster. Um. So yeah, it's it's makes sense that she's gonna go back to normal for the show. Like, yeah, back to basics. You know. It's it's like when when um, Falcon Cap uh. Lady Thor and uh, Superior Iron Man were the main tri- uh, were the main trinity in the in the Marvel Comics universe during the Avengers. Most of the people were most people were were convinced that come Age of Ultron or Infinity War, whichever was next, uh, that those characters would revert back to what. So they that's were like, but that's that didn't necessarily happen. But that's what I'm talking about. That's the 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 reaction of it, like because you're gonna have people looking for these books. Well, and that's a good example because like the MCU films burgeoning success at that moment I think is a part of the reason those characters took a backseat after that. Yeah. I do think that like Falcon Cap and Lady Thor and, and Superior Iron Man were going to be the spearheads of Marvel Comics for a while longer but we flip back to the classics to keep up with the MCU audience. Mm-hmm. And I think this is much more like preempting people are going to like that She-Hulk show. I We should have a comic ready for them that they can jump in on. Yep. Yeah, it seems to line up with when She-Hulk would come out. I like, uh, yeah, I, I think so too. And I like much better them like preempting rather than being reactionary where they're like on a path and then they go, oh, people like that show. Oh, instead make it more of, like that show. Hold on, change it. Instead of the show being out for like a season and there's no comic for people to read. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, Fantastic Four Reckoning War. Mm-hmm. Dan Slott is joined by Carlos Pacheco and Rachel Slott, Rachel Stott. For Marvel Comics, Fantastic Four, Reckoning War, an epic saga over 15 years in the making. The original secret war of the Marvel Universe has been re- uh, reignited, and every living being in reality is in danger, for we are finally at our day of reckoning. 
I'm going to be positive for a change. Oh. Uh, I'm not going to read this book, but this is a event that, that Dan Slott has been slotting into uh, all his books since he did She-Hulk literally 15 years ago. Um, so uh, I have no problem with him like getting to do the event that he's been setting up. I think that's really cool. I love long-form storytelling. Um um, and like, there is like a Twitter thread of like, yeah, th here's all the things from 15 years of him, like just slowly building up the story that he wants to tell. And I'm like, every comic book writer I love is doing that. So like, I'm not going to hate a guy just because I don't like his writing. Uh, it's just not going to be for me. I think it's great that he gets to tell the story. I know a lot of people are really excited for this. Yeah, the second um, I, it's just not for me. Second I saw Dan Slott's name, I'm like, well, Brian's not going to buy that book. No, I, not, I don't have to buy every book. Uh, but I can acknowledge that like, it's really cool that like, I like when storytellers get to fulfill their storytelling. Mm -hmm. Moon Girl and Devil Dinosaur are coming back. Sweet. Uh, Lunella Lafayette, Lafayette and her lovable 20-foot dinosaur are back in Marvel Comics' Moon Girl and Devil Dinosaur. Uh, but what shape will their partnership take in this exciting new era? Keep your eyes peeled in the coming months for <laughs> more news about the next venture of the biggest brain in the world that will, s that will send dino-sized shockwaves throughout the Marvel Universe in 2022. Uh, Moon Girl and Devil Dinosaur will bring new meaning to the, to the term Marvel team-up in a tale that promises to shake your world. Uh, the creative team is redacted. We do not know oh. who's uh, doing this. Uh, again, like another moment of, I uh, think, them being preemptive. Yep. That cartoon is coming yep. to Disney+. Plus. Um, I'm glad that they are being like, let's have something uh, ready for those audiences that are going to want this. Especially Moon Girl and Devil, Devil Dinosaur is a good one to have. Like, You are going to get kids. You are going to get young people who want to read comics at the moment that show hits and what better way than to have a comic currently running ready to go yeah. right there perfect it Boom. is uh it is redacted but if you look very closely the first letter kind of looks like an l and i'm just saying if it's leah williams i'm gonna buy that number one <laughs> i'm buy that number one either way baby i'm, I'm here I, i'm not i can't buy every number one all right adaptation news right no more comics you oh, can yeah. just like you know Stop having to pay rent. Jesus. Batwoman. All right. <laughs> <laughs> you said it. <laughs> Sparks Batwoman. Uh -huh. Got some news. Uh, the show? Yep. Ah. Bridget Regan from Agent Carter. Oh, yeah. Has been cast as Poison Ivy in season three. Yeah, <sighs> Poison Ivy was teased as the villain uh, coming back for the next season at the end of this previous season. Um, Very cool. Ooh, I'll have to maybe see what that I'm in like. a positive place with Batwoman. Yeah. So. Uh, it, uh, I was going to put in the description, but the description was just Poison Ivy. It's Poison Ivy. You know pa Poison Ivy. Pamela how, Isley. How else can you describe it? It's like Poison well, Ivy's in the no, show now. Like, like the whole the whole description was like talking about Poison Ivy's motivation, what happened to her, uh, how she was part Bat Batman's rogues gal rogues, and uh, now he, now she's coming back. And I was like, I don't need to put this all in. We all know <laughs> who Poison <laughs> Ivy is. Yeah, she loves Harley. We know that. Um, that she does. Dead Boy Detectives. Hmm? HBO DVD. Max has ordered a pilot for a live action adaptation of Dead Boy Detectives. Um, currently not believed to be attached to their appearance in the third season of Doom Patrol, because as you remember, they were cast in Doom Patrol. Um, this is going to be from Steve Yaki, who apparently impressed them with, impressed HBO Max with The Flight Attendant, which was really well received. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, he is writing and producing the pilot. Jeremy Carver, who produces Doom Patrol, and Greg Berlanti are also executive producers. It would not shock me at all if this is a Titan situation. They exist in Doom Patrol... They're not the same, mm. and we'll just you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah. Cool. I haven't. I, I'm excited to watch that Doom Patrol season. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know who these characters are yet. So, Mary Little Batman was uh, kind of snuck in, um, and I'm going to use it as an excuse to talk about about, about this. Um, so, Mary Little Batman is going to be an animated film 
uh, coming to Cartoon Network and then HBO Max. Um, the film will be executive produced and directed by regular show's Mike Roth oh. with a script from Earths and Ned's Morgan Evans. Yes. Um, the plot is when a six-year-old Damian Wayne finds himself alone in Wayne Manor, he must transform into little Batman in order to defend his home and Gotham City from the crooks and supervillains intent on destroying Christmas. Mm. That sounds kind of cute. Uh, is this Home Mike alone? Roth, the creator of regular show? No, that's uh, no. J.G. Quintel. Okay. I wasn't, I wasn't aware. J.G.? Yeah. Um, so, yeah. This, uh, do you have anything you want to say about my little... Will Batwan. Are you talking about the other stuff related to the yes. Acme Block? Okay. Yes. Uh, this is going to be this is going to air as part of Cartoon Network's Acme Block or Acme Night, as they call it, uh, before going to HBO Max. Acme Night will also see the debut of Did I Do That <gasps> to the Holidays? Oh my God! A Steve Urkel story. Unbelievable. A currently untitled Looney Tunes cartoons movie, starring Porky Pig and Daffy Duck will also air alongside syndications of executive, uh, exclusive, existing Warner Brothers cartoons um, and blockbusters. Blockbuster. We'll also see the cable TV, TV debuts of Aquaman King of Atlantis, Batman Caped Crusader, Gremlin Secrets of the Mogwai, Unicorn Warriors Eternal, and a Harry Potter quiz show. Is our camera okay? Because the cat's just Har- hit it. Yeah, yeah. we're yeah. good. Yeah. It's Harry a little bit on my side. Harry more. Potter quiz show. Um, yeah, this is weird. Uh, it's weird to me that they're calling it an Acme block. There's a single Looney Tunes project in here. Um, <laughs> uh, it's cool. So it's the Looney Tunes cartoons team is making this movie. Uh, that part we do know, mm-hmm. um, which I'm invested in cause I'm still watching. I haven't talked about it, but I've been watching Looney Tunes cartoons. Uh, still those new cartoons are really good. Um, this one sounds very Duck Dodgersy, but they're not saying it. But it sounds like bit. it's very Duck Duck Dodgersy. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm just weirded out by the Acme Block choice, and it's cool that they're doing this stuff. But yeah, I was really surprised to see the we're going to see King of Atlantis, Cape Crusader, and Secrets of the Mogwai this year. Yeah, there's not many months left in the year. I what? thought I thought uh, because they were announced this year, I wasn't sure they were going to show up yeah. this year. I thought they were going to be next year. Where they at? Where they at though? Making a big animation dump mm. all over the the the, the water? channel. Mm. Yeah, uh, yeah. All right. Quickly, I have some quick Star Trek news. Because um, this, I didn't know where to put this. So I just was like, quick news. Set phases <laughs> the quick. Uh, Star Trek Picard season two has cast Annie Wershing, uh, who played Leslie Dean from The Runaways, and oh Tess yeah. from The Last of Us. Ah. Yeah. She has been cast as the Borg Queen. Good for uh, her. Taking over the role from Alice Krieg. Oh, no. Alice Krieg is so good. She's so spooky. Yeah. Alice Krieg did it in the uh, Star Trek First Contact, and she did it in the final episode of Star Trek Voyager. Uh, but in the times that, she, that the Borg Queen showed up in Star Trek Voyager, it wasn't always Alice Krieg. It was also Susanna Thompson. Mm. Uh, so okay. she is taking over the role from both those actresses. Cool. But Alice Krieg... It's kind of a bummer because you b- you bring back the originals that are connected to Picard anyway. That's what I'm thinking, yeah. And Alice Creek is so good in that role. Yeah, I, I it has to be scheduling or something. I'm Must sure be. I'm sure she would like to do it. Yeah. Um, uh, the the only reason why Susanna Thompson is the Borg Queen is because she just didn't have time in her schedule. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they what they were, they asked her for the final episode and she was like, yeah, I'm going to make time for this because it's the final episode. That's good. And she has also died twice, the Borg Queen. So I don't know what the hell we're doing. Ah, you know. <laughs> 
Um, I am a little bummed that we're continuing the Borg stuff after the last season. I don't think you need it. I didn't think you need it in the last season. Borg cubes. Um, the Borg cube thing is fine, but like, cubes. There, we're still dealing with the fact that Picard was assimilated by the Borg, and like, I I've had movies with that. I had. You mean Lacutus? Yeah, like I don't need to keep revisiting that. I don't keep need to. I don't. Picard wasn't defined by the Borg, and that's all we're kind of doing. It's uh, it sucks when like, like when a franchise just has to resort to member berries, which is kind of what Star Trek is doing. It's like, yeah. hey, remember the Borg? Remember this stuff? And like, yeah. it's about the future. You guys. I was really excited to see the Borg in season in season one. Yeah, I, I'm. They did them fine, uh, but I was hoping for new going into season two. Yeah, I feel you. Look cute. Oh, real quick, Ben, you know how you're nostalgia's bitch? Yes. This just came out of nowhere, but I was thinking like, you, you're someone who looks in like the past and like, you know, like retro games and I'm someone who's always looking for like the future and like the future of games and I'm like, oh, I'm a future slut. That's what I am. <laughs> They're called a futurist. I'm a, a fu- I don't know. I'd rather be a future no, slut. No, I like it. Oh, if I'm nostalgia's bitch, got, he's got, a future yeah, slut. Yeah, I gotta, I gotta swear. I just want, I'm just a future slut. I just want you to know that. Okay. Um, okay, future slut. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> The Borg Queen will be a recurring villain. That was the final bit of news on that one. Oh. Um, but also, season two has finished filming, and they're moving right into season three. They're going to film back-to-back. Wow. Cool. All right, Peter Jackson. Uh, the the reason is because Patrick Stewart has been very clear, I'm old. I'm dying. I want to finish the show. <laughs> yeah. I mean, good he's, on him for like yeah. saying, like, I'll do another season, but we got to do it immediately. He, yeah. He's really passionate about returning as Picard. Um, he's only apparently only interested in returning to characters he's already done at this point in his in his life. Wow, that's like the opposite of most people. That's interesting. Well, it's because he is so old, and he's like, I, I if I'm going to do something, I'd rather approach a new ca- a character I've already done no, in I get a new it, yeah. way. How um, old is he again? Prob- 70s, probably. Approaching right? yeah. 90s, surely. Wow. Because he's not that much younger than William Shatner. And he's also around the same age as Ian McKellen, uh, Sir Ian McKellen, excuse me. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to say 78. I'm going to say 80s. Sparks, I'm going to say 87. 81. Oh! oh. Who got close? You just said 80s. I said 80s. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so you yeah. won. So 81. Man, that's um, old. Yeah, mm-hmm. so, uh, so he's very been very clear, like, you know, I want to just go right into it and film back to back because he is because he wanted to do three seasons of the show. Initially, he wanted to do two, and then he liked doing it so much he wanted mm. to do a third. That's nice. I love that. Um, he really likes the show. He really likes the, the the show, and he's really passionate about returning. As I'm glad part, someone so. does. So I mean that it's really cool that he's th- as passionate as he is, and yeah. that that's fun to watch. Yeah. Uh, Mag says. Um, <laughs> Max says he is always the CIA director from American Dad. Oh yeah. Oh yes. <laughs> I forget that. That is, that is one of like his best voice acting roles. It's, I didn't know that so was so ridiculous. When I was young, I I was convinced that I wasn't him because I just didn't, I didn't look up credits or anything. I was like, that's not can't right. be. Right. Yeah. Well, the him and also Adam West and Family Guy. Oh yeah. Mayor West and the, he uses his real name. It's oh, like oh yes, uh, because it's it's the idea is that it's actually Adam West. Yeah. Um, also, in the final bit of Star Trek news, I wanted to talk a, bit, a little bit about uh, the opening for Star Trek Prodigy was released. This is the opening intro that is done by Michael Giacchino. Giacchino? Giacchino? Mm-hmm. There it is. Um, he, uh, so he com- he's composing Star Trek Prodigy. That was kind of the news of, of releasing it. It's gorgeous. Uh, I love it. I, I really, uh, I, I'm really getting excited for the show just based on the animation uh, and seeing the... Uh, the the ship kind of fly through different scenarios mm-hmm. of like larger than life kind of thing like there's a giant robot hand for some reason uh that the that for comparison the ship looks like a bug in a, in, a, in my hand and that's how big the robot hand is and i'm like this looks wild I'm that's super, not canon i'm super stoked for this any star trek is elastic enough to make it canon. i'm just kidding yeah um 
It's not that elastic, but every now and then you can stretch a couple Listen, things. I'm saying that crossed over with X-Men. That's true. And Green Lantern. And Doctor Who. Yeah. There's there's sluts. They're crossover sluts. There you go. But not future sluts. Um, yeah. Okay. No, because the future is the present. Exactly. And the present is the past? No. The just future the future is the present because they're in the future. Can we not? <laughs> Tra- trailers. Yeah. T- trailers. T-talk. T-talk. We're in the trailer park. Uh, Sparks and Ryan, why don't you talk a bit about Doom Patrol Season 3? Oh, I'm my right, God. Right. That show's so good. It's wild that this trailer showed totally different stuff from the other trailer. Yeah. There's a lot, like... I forgot. I keep forgetting that Michelle Gomez is in this yes. um, season. I'm so excited. I love I love Doom Patrol trailers because every episode is so wild. So you have like ten episodes of this wild shit. So you have a trailer that's just just a two minutes of this bad shit stuff that you have no idea what the context for any of it is. But oh, there's like oh yeah, uh, the evil butt now, monsters have returned. Right that's great. now, yeah. now Ben and Brandon know about the butt monsters. You guys know about the butt monsters. Yeah. Um, you got your fake. We've Constantine. we've been quiet about that for a while. Yeah. <laughs> yeah well, the, when the second you guys said, "Oh, the butts are back," I'm like, "The what are now?" Uh, you got your fake Constantine guy, like Whip, like Wimbly Krembus or whatever his stupid name is. Um, the new villains from like modern Doom Patrol, like the Brain, the Brotherhood, Doctor uh, Malice, and the Brotherhood of Evil. Yeah, um, just like Legends of Tomorrow, but like rated R. Uh-huh. That's basically what Doom Patrol is. Um, mm, real, qual- real good quality content. Uh, uh, more Brian Fraser outside of the suit. Ryan and I are of the same opinion that Doom Patrol seasons one and two are two of the best ever comic book adapted television seasons. Hundo. Period. You don't uh, even have to be a fan. Can't like, it's wait super, for season three. It's super approachable. All right. Uh, Midnight Suns had a gameplay trailer. Yes, it did. So I I am a big strategy boy. Ben's a big strategy yes, boy. So are. this game definitely isn't for everyone. But for nope. me, uh, everything, every new thing they showed me, I'm like, oh, I'm a big fan of this, big fan of this, big fan of that. So like, I'm going to buy this game when it comes out. I'm ready to play this game. Hell yeah, baby. Yeah. It's a yeah, it's a turn based. Uh, Brandon, are you in the turn based strategy kind of stuff? I am not, unfortunately. Okay, yeah. yeah. Um so this game, yeah. Um yeah, if you ever played something like an XCOM or a Fire Emblem, you know, um it is a card based system which is new for for this type of game, which is interesting. Um but I believe in the developers, like I've watched a bunch of interviews over the weekend, like they are so excited. Like they're all huge comic fans and like this was their dream project and like they came to Marvel and I'm like, Hey, can we please make this game? Uh, and they're like, Well show us what games you made and, like we've we're the highest selling strategy developers of all time. And like, okay, cool, go for it. Uh, so like, it just looks it looks so cool. It's got like modern characters, old characters like Magic and Nico and Ghost Rider, and like just big fan, big fan. All right, and how about uh, No Time to Die? I'm hmm. I'm about to die if I don't see this movie <laughs> soon. Uh, this is the this is the this is now ballooning the budget to I think eight hundred million dollars. Uh, because they uh, another hundred millions to start the marketing again. This movie is never going to make its money back. It, I it could, nope. could not. No, it can't. And I. I found this one interesting only because this is the first time that they've ever marketed a Bond film as the final. It's like a legacy. It feels like a yeah. Marvel trailer. Yeah, this is the final Bond film. Like, they're very they're very adamant that, remember, this is the last Bond film. Very, but, very endgame type of trailer. Yeah, but it's definitely not the last Bond film. This is the last Daniel Craig Bond film. Right. But they gotta make it feel important. <laughs> right, and I think, I think the thing, the difference is that the Daniel Craig films do have a continuity, whereas yeah. the other other, era, other eras of James Bond don't. It yeah. is a single story, um, as, as convoluted as it is. Yeah, yeah I mean, it, it's a single story in the sense that they're just tacking things onto that, yeah, <laughs> yeah. to that story. Yeah. Um, so, so, they're really marketing as like this is the final Craig era Bond film. This is the end of the journey we started on with Casino well, Royale and, and possibly the last Bond film for a while. At least for a while. Yeah, for a while. Yeah, for yeah. A while. We might the rights are we changing. We might so, just have 007 films, not James Bond films. Oh, that'd be dope. You're I'm right. because I'm telling you, I'm telling you, 
put Bond back in the 60s. Yes, we uh, we know. Make it a period piece, and that's pretty much the Or only way you James diversify Bond, it. That's pretty much the only way James Bond works anymore, because everybody's like, hey, kind of over like the white uh, Show, like uh, womanizer yeah. uh, guy. Right. Kind of done with it. Because Bond, Bond, honestly, I'm sick of, I'm getting too old for this Bond. I'm a relic of the past Bond. If you want to do cool spy shit, go back and do cool spy shit when the cool spy shit was set. Like there's like Bond, I don't so think fits in the modern world anymore. So essentially, back when cool spy shit was cool spy shit, right? Like, give me weird gadgets. Like, do Kingsman in the '60s because I don't think I don't think Bond uh, can survive in the modern world. I I know Bond can't survive in the modern world. No, uh, people have already made that clear. Like, yeah, that's like no no one is no one in the new modern audience is interested in another white guy playing James Bond. Yeah, yeah. they're not. They're done. They're like get a black guy. Get Henry Golding. Get Henry Golding. Get a lady. Get Lashana Lynch to play a to, to, to play yeah. a 007. Yeah. Uh, get any of those things, but we're done with white James Bond. And I do think the that you're right. The only way to fix that is a period piece. I don't think they're gonna do that. No. I think we're getting a 007. I love yeah. to see you Giselle as 007. Just saying. Yeah, uh, that'd be great. I just told you I was tired of old Bond. Yeah, but he wouldn't be Bond. He'd be. A 007. Well, I think if they if they cast if they cast, um, he's not a relic of the past. He's just old. <laughs> I, I just I, I do think that we that if we recast another male in the part, whether whatever ethnicity, it's Bond. But if we go to the, the female right, I do think we're looking at the new 007 franchise. Like with Lashana I don't. Lynch, as we're I don't think about. that's necessarily true. I think uh, that if it's a man, it, it could also just also be part because of the because we've had 006 because James and, Bond because you know, yeah. James Bond is a character. And I think that they want to move away from the character. You can make mm-hmm. it a franchise that's about the 007s, not about a single white guy. It could yeah, be, a, it could what, be anybody. That's what I was trying. That's what I was trying to get at before. Yeah. Um, where the idea, like, I, I think there is a world, and the Broccoli's are ridiculous people, um, who, who, who have had the Bond franchise for far too long. Her name's Broccoli. Um, they are aren't willing to do this, but I do think there is a world where you can have your cake and eat it too with Bond. You can have the 007 films probably continuing the Craig era Bond films or a new or a, a, a not connected continuity or something like that or whatever. Um, or, and not or, and you can have the, the, the fun spy era James Bond with a recast, uh, different ethnicity, whatever you want. Um, uh, James Bond. Uh, and I think that there's world, there's an audience for Bond. There's world can, enough. That can be split. I think the Bond. I think the Bond audience. You can split it easily and bo- and have a successful franchise. Yeah, I think you can too. I just don't think that the passion exists right for the, now for what it is in the film industry to make period piece Bond. Mm-hmm. I just don't think it's there. Uh, going to back to this trailer, I I don't know if this is like the fourth or like fifth trailer I've seen at this point. Uh, but this is the trailer I, I actually do wish I didn't see because there's stuff involving the villain and like the science stuff that he's doing that I was like, oh, I, I, I got a little more insight that I needed. Uh, so now I'm like, I kind of have an idea what this movie is. If I w- I've watched all these trailers, I'm like, uh, that's not it's the movie's fault. That's the pandemic's fault. Um, yeah, I mean, what do you I mean, not everybody can be as surprisingly good as Free Guy. Yeah. No, I just mean, in, no, I, yeah, that's true. Yeah. In terms of not spoiling anything, that's true. Yeah. yeah. Uh, look, Free Guy put out as many trailers as Bond at this and point. And the, and yeah, it's true. and only spoiled one element. And it's true. Th- like now, I I totally agree with you. Like at this point, I feel like I've seen the movie. Yeah. Um. Um. 
Because they already ready showed, for this movie to be out. They showed a lot of the good action in those trailers, and I know there's obviously going to be more. But like this trailer was like an emotional one, and also showed like. But you've more definitely seen like every action beat, even if you only saw it for a moment. Yeah. So you know every action beat that's in the movie, even yep. if you don't know the whole thing. Yeah. We yeah. see the car chase. We see the scene in, under the water. We yeah. see a whole bunch of other crazy shit. It's like, yeah, we have seen this movie. It's between, like just let me see this damn movie. Between already. all the trailers, it feels like. There can't possibly be more locations and things <laughs> happening in this movie. How, how, I've seen them all. <laughs> if they make another Bond film, who do you think they rip off? Because uh, when Craig started, it was born. Uh, so where are we? Where are we going next? Do we think we're we're trying to rip off Mission Impossible? No, I I think the I think the next trajectory would be I'm not necessarily going to the sixties, but more of that sensibility of more like kind of like Kingsman, a, like goofier. You think Kingsman? A little, like, yeah, more Kingsman, like goofier. You rip off. Yeah. You rip off John Wick. You go harder if you're going. If you you're going go for modern, you go well. Not necessarily harder, but you go. You're going for like the realism now. Yeah, yeah. you're going for the realism action. I mean, that's what Casino Royale th- was. Though. Yeah, yeah, but I mean, like the realism with his weapons, the realism, like the gadgets get toned oh, down. See, I, I, I agree with Brandon in no, sense no, going back. Like, I agree yeah. that that's the way to go. Yeah. I'm saying if you're trying to make it now modern after Craig, and you're not thinking of period piece, like I don't have faith that they are. The thing you're trying to copy is John Wick. Yeah, yeah. I think yeah. so. Uh, it would be interesting if it was Mission Impossible because Mission Impossible used to parody Bond, and now it'd be the other way. Everything eats each other. Well, and the, I mean that's the whole thing. Like Mission Impossible is the thing that proves what modern spy s- movies stuff should be. Yeah, and James Bond can't be that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, all right, that's enough of that. Probably, hopefully, the last time we talk about this movie until it comes out. It has to be, man. Uh, <laughs> God, I it's hope been so. like literally two years. <laughs> Red Notice. Guys, go check out our review for No Time to Die. Oh, yeah, which actually. Released when it was originally released. That's true. We did review that. the beginning of the pandemic. Red mm-hmm. Notice. So, Ryan, yeah. describe the way that this trailer was made. Oh, uh, so before I saw this trailer, I saw it was described as, like, what if an AI generator made uh, a movie trailer? Like, what they think a Hollywood movie trailer would look like. And after watching this trailer, I agree. <laughs> I There's yeah. nothing. There's... It doesn't. I can't say this is an. It looks like an awful movie, but there's literally nothing new or original or special about this trailer whatsoever. If you like hot people saying quirky lines you've heard a hundred times before, this is for you, not for me. Yeah. Um. Man, at first I was like, oh, we're we're dealing with a a cat and mouse film. You got two high profile uh, thieves and an FBI guy trying to chase him down. He's working with Interpol. I'm like, okay, I can get into that. Yeah. I haven't seen anything like that for a while. And then, oh, they catch one of the guys and they have to work together. All right, buddy cop movie. Why? What else is going on? Why does the end of the Real world feel at, like, at stake? Real quickly, uh, Ryan Reynolds was cast in this film uh, a while ago um, as they tried to get it um, to Netflix. Um, and he was cast so long ago that this movie is the reason why he shows up in Hobbs and Shaw. That's so funny. Wait, Ryan Reynolds is in Hobbs and Shaw? Yeah, yeah. I oh didn't wait, know. you didn't see that movie yet? No, I haven't seen the oh, movie. Oh, there's a great joke where there's like they're like they're like he's, agents lock and load. He's oh. like he's like in a in a scene and a half. He's like a cameo. Oh, he's good in it though. Okay. Uh, yeah, uh, because they met for to do Red Notice, uh, they needed a place, so they put Ryan Reynolds in it. That's so funny. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, hey man, I mean. It, it, I mean, this could probably be like a nice, a nice like comfort food movie, but like I just, there's nothing here. I mean, like, it started know. off with promise and then it just teetered. Yeah. That uh, yeah, yeah. I got nothing. It looks really. like a movie. Yeah. It it does look like a movie, and also it looks like it's a movie on Netflix. So it's like, cool. I don't have to pay to see this movie. That's true. Malignant. Spooky shit. I I want to believe in this. 
I do believe in this. I have no reason I think every time, yeah. every time James Wan is behind the director's chair of yeah. a horror movie, I've liked it. Yeah. So yeah. I have no reason to doubt this. And yeah. he, he's saying this is genre bending. Mm-hmm. He's talking about this being new. Mm-hmm. Um, again, like this trailer doesn't show it, but there, it, there's a glimpse of it. But there's a TV spot that I saw that, that has the shot that sold me on the movie, which is this overhead. Uh, that's just an incredible take. Mm-hmm. Um, I I like I know visually this movie's gonna be cool yeah. even if like it it lands a little like all right that could have been better like he's got the history of it he's got Saw he's got uh, Conjuring and Conjuring Two and, and both of the first two Insidious films like I think those two Insidious films are fantastic so I'm very very on board Insidious, for Malignant I, mm-hmm. Insidious is what got me interested in horror nice. um, Insidious is is pretty insidious that way Sinister mm. Sinister right Inside. I don't remember if he directed or produced. He didn't Sinister. direct it. I don't think he directed it because I don't think that film's that strong. Yeah, no, I don't not. think so either. I was just curious. I the think he produced it though. The only James he's produced more horror movies than he's directed, and the produc- producing ones are not always hits, but the directing ones are. Mm-hmm. The only James Wan horror films I've seen are Conjuring One and Two. The other James Wan film that I know oh for a fact oh that I've God, seen I is. I want to make Ben watch Insidious. Aquaman. Shit. You've seen Aquaman. Oh yeah, yeah, of course. Scott Derrickson. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's Scott, Aquaman. Scott Derrickson did Sinister. Yep. Yeah, uh, so as far I can, oh, I've only seen three James Wan films. James Wan films that I can confirm I have seen, and seeing this one, I'm like, this one's probably gonna scare the ever living crap out yeah. of me, and yes. I don't know if I'm ready for it. Okay, James Bond movie, uh, James James Wan movie marathon for the Fickner podcast. No. Let's do it. No. Just strap him down. I mean, we Please reviewed no. all of his movies on this podcast, so except, except for, for Saw. the Insidious films. Insidious uh, yeah. and Saw. Uh, so yeah, I meant like his big blockbuster ones. Yeah. Um. Oh, okay. Right. Yeah, uh, I'm 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 very intrigued by this one. I'm not I'm not I will say conceptually I'm not quite as intrigued as I am about the Nighthouse, which is out right now. That that concept that's at play there has me really intrigued. That one's got rave, doing, rave reviews. Yes, yeah. it did. Uh, that that one I really want to make my way to the theaters to see because they're doing some stuff with negative space. There's this one shot. I don't know if you guys ever saw the trailer that did it, where she's looking at like a banister I saw this in one. the house. And then the space of the banister turns and faces her, and you realize it wasn't a banister; it was like a face. A face. Uh-huh. Get my gun. Uh, yeah, it's really effective. Um, That's one of the things where you go for a shotgun, like the Doom Slayer, and be like, uh-uh, "Yeah, uh, no, not today, Satan." Yeah. So, but but nonetheless, like Malignant still does appeal to me. I think there's there's something yep. solid here. I don't think this is a good as good a trailer as the other one they released. I think so. that's what it was for me. Like, I'm not worried it's going to be. Like I know it's going to be a good movie. I think this I was think a weaker trailer. The first trailer was much better. Yeah. I don't think its storytelling as a trailer was as good as the other one. Yeah. Hmm. Moonfall. Oh, you mean the Legend of Zelda: Majora's Mask, the movie? Listen, it's been listen. Emmerich's had a couple years I off. I definitely it's don't been mean that. One week since Emmerich made a movie. <laughs> <laughs> listen, it's like every couple of years, Roland Emmerich comes out of his hole and he's like, "Destruction movie." And then we're blessed with with a either totally fine or really cool destruction movie. I I think it's refreshing that there has been at least a gap of a few years now where someone else wasn't making the like rampant destruction film. The last one was Geostorm and nobody saw that. So uh, like it's, I haven't it's, yeah. I, I haven't had an interest in them for a while. Mm-hmm. Uh I Emmerich's pretty good at doing it. I give him the credit for that. Uh I just don't know if I need it. Yeah. I f- I feel that I will say this was a teaser so we didn't see a lot but there, there's a lot more going on in this movie 
than just the moons falling. Like, there's very clearly, like, a big old monster in that moon. Uh, and there's lots of crazy, like, sci-fi imagery and, like, sci-fi, like, I, really weird stuff going on. I'm like, he doesn't normally go this hard in the sci-fi. I agree. He's he's kind of a more generic director. I don't mean a negative. He's more of a, a, a broad audience for a Quadrants here's, director. Here's what I'll say based on my, my Emmerich viewings, which don't include the most recent Independence Day. Mm-hmm. Um, I think he has progressively gotten less creative the less he's the more he's relied on CGI rather than practical. Yeah, yeah, yeah you're right. Yeah. And uh, his best destruction-based films were how impressive he rendered things with practical effects. Independence Day uh, is still like beating. Independence Day um even Day After Tomorrow to an extent yeah. still relied more on practical than it did CGI. Even Godzilla has some good stuff. Uh, Godzilla um and uh and is it, it what's the name of the Dante's Peak, right? Is that he didn't do that. No, right. that's not him. Uh, 2012. He, he did the other volcano one, right? 2012. No, he didn't do either volcano movie. Oh my gosh. No. What it, am I thinking? That's Pompeii? volcano, by the way. Uh, what's the one? No, Pompeii was Paul W. Sanderson. <laughs> what's the uh, 2012? No, no, no. Like earlier, earlier in his career, he did another destru- destruction one. Yeah. Oh shoot. Deep impact. No. Oh well. I'm gonna find it. God. Anyway. Uh, I th- nonetheless like that that point stands like I think the more that he comes to rely on CGI the less inventive his directorial style has been yeah so that makes me kind of go like we're kind of we're kind of just a uh, all right uh uh yeah it's it's destruction like it's it's mildly more competent than like the general directing yeah projects that you'll get out of people doing that but it's not this is not the first time he's it's been not to the stunning moon. you but again like I like. This this is not the first time he's been to the moon. Armageddon. Yeah. Moon 44. Um, he did Universal Soldier, which is a spin-off of Blade Runner. Um, Stargate. Uh, da, 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 the Patriot, Day After Tomorrow, 10,000 BC. That movie's not very good at all. Mm. 2012, Anonymous, White gotcha. House Down. That okay. movie's really good. Uh, Independence Day Resurgence, uh, and yep. The Midway. Gotcha. Okay. Uh, I remember Midway. White so House Down is awesome. I didn't know he, he's the one who directed that movie. That one's good. Jamie Foxx. That's Jamie Foxx. Wait, and nope. Tatum. Just kidding. I'm a liar. You're Olympus t- has fallen is the great movie. Yeah, yeah. Olympus that has movie fallen. rules. Yeah, I was Olympus gonna say White House Down is the one with Jamie Foxx as president and Channing Tatum. Yes, yeah, Channing yeah, Tatum. Comes Tatum. In and saves yeah. Him? yeah. No, I, I um, misdirect. There's, there is a, there is a sense that I get with, with uh, Roland Emmerich that um, Day of Tomorrow, 2012, even Anonymous to some extent, are, are definitely him trying to tell us how angry he is. But not being the kind of director that could express that uh, he, visually. Global warming. Here's my destruction movie. <laughs> um, but Independence Day Resurgence showed a bit more of what I wanted to do these days. Um, I, I can't find speak to that. I, I find Independence Day Resurgence to be to be fun um, because it has a really interesting creative design um, and it's campier than his other films. And I'm I'm hoping that Moonfall, even though the trailer doesn't really show it, Moonfall is like Independence Day Resurgence. It, it just into hard sci-fi, which he d- he very rarely does. Yeah. Um, I'm hoping that Moonfall has a bit more of that camp that he found in Independence Day Resurgence because I think it could be actually a lot of fun if yeah. it does. I hope, yeah. A movie with a giant moon monster, please don't take yourself too seriously. Right. <laughs> I think Come it's on. Al- I think it's also like our sensibilities for how much we're watching, whether it's like uh, uh, natural violence or not how much we're watching like destruction reach across our planet like it wasn't that long ago we were watching the fires tear apart australia things like that mm-hmm. i i have less of a stomach for wanting to enjoy 
destruction films as much as I used to. Yeah. Uh, and I think that definitely is like a reaction to watching our climate affect our world and watch people lose their homes and buildings and things like that. Sure. Uh, according to it. And I, and this is me just admitting a bias. Like I think that that makes me less inclined to really want to chase after that destruction film. Yeah. Uh, genre. That's fair. Uh, and honestly, again, like I am not here for the destruction. I'm here to see what's in that moon and all the weird sure. sci-fi stuff that's happening. Like, yeah. cause again, at the end of the day, it's just a bunch of uh, a billion dollars of CG just happening in front of me. I'm like, this isn't, this doesn't matter at all. This doesn't matter. And that's, and that's, the, me lamenting like I, I yeah. think it I think he was good at like landing a particular eye when he was able to work with practical effects that yeah. added a gravitas to it that made it feel tangible made it feel accessible sure. true 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 uh, okay should we get into our main topic then Okay, now it's time to talk about Shang-Chi. I'm on a new level. And the Legend of the Ten Rings. That's not this movie. Get it on, Tilada. Nope, no, not that one either. <sighs> Let me think of another one. Hold on. <laughs> Fast and the Furious trailers. Come on, guys. Um, uh, Full spoilers for the 25th film in the MCU. Yep. Yeah. Holy cool. shit, that's incredible. Um, Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings. Uh, you have been warned. Um, we'll be spoiling other films probably, too. Um Spoilers for the MCU. Yeah, so um, definitely Iron Man three. <laughs> you have been you have been warned. Uh, just, sk- just skip ahead, pause it, whatever you, you do. Uh, live viewer, sorry. Um, so, what do we think about Shang Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings? How about I go with Sparks first? This is a great movie. Um, this is definitely in my. I don't remember if it's in my top five, but it's real close if it isn't, mm-hmm. uh, of the MCU. Oh, that makes me so happy because it's in my top five. <laughs> nice. <laughs> I, I think it might be, or it's like t- six. I'm not sure. Yeah. Um, uh, Ryan? I like this movie a whole lot. Um, the more I think about it, the more I like it. I don't know if it's my top five. I definitely think it's in my top ten. Um I I wish I didn't feel this way, but I I just I have a problem with the ending. But it's 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 a me thing. Um, that that this movie would have been like a ten if the if the finale ended a different way. Um, uh, I like it a whole lot. Ben, I absolutely love this movie. I think this movie's get fan- closer. I have a cat on me. Okay, let me. No. <laughs> I think this movie is fantastic. I absolutely love it. Uh, yeah, uh, I really like this movie. Um. Uh, Mag also wants to chime in. Yeah, Mag. Uh, Mag says, uh, love the fighting choreography. Wish I seen it in 3D. Ooh. Ooh. That is an option. That's we a have take. Oh, man, uh, 3D. Do you guys remember 3D movies were all the rage? Yep. Yeah, 10 Did we ago. see Avengers in 3D? No, oh. you saw Avengers in 3D. I didn't see I it. don't remember. I have seen many movies in 3D where I couldn't tell you if it really made a difference at all. <laughs> you know where it really made a difference? Journey to the center of the earth. I'm sure. You know where it did make a difference? My Bloody Valentine in 3D. That's an awesome 3D horror. The last 3D movie I remember seeing where I was like, damn, I'm really glad I saw this. Piranha 3D? 3D? No. uh, Was the the Peanut. Peanuts, Charlie Peanuts. Brown film. Oh yeah, blah, blah, uh, blah. I thought I thought that in 3D looked incredible. I thought it looked so good. I own it on Blu-ray 3D, just in the off chance I nice. ever have <laughs> access to the Blu-ray 3D player, because I was like, that movie deserved its 3D. I love it. Uh, yeah, I'm right now. I'm pretty hot on it, so it's in my top five. But honestly, I might move it down. To, it's definitely my top ten. Uh, um, so one of the reasons why it's definitely high up there for me is that this is one of the few MCU films where I'm like, I would just really like this even without liking the MCU. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and yeah. I could watch this without the MCU. And for the most part, I'd I'd really be solid. I'd be really, really content. 
Yeah, uh, you can absolutely watch this on your own, like without the MCU. I think you'd be fine. I don't yeah. even. I don't even think you need to know. Like, like need to have seen Iron Man three to enjoy Trevor. No, no like I honestly, I think they, it's. They I think all the context, context is there. Mm-hmm. Uh, just fine. When, when, uh, because you brought him up, uh, when he shows up in the movie, um, they're because they're in the prison cell, and I, I hear, Rrr! I was like. They did it. Yeah, I knew. Imme- <laughs> I knew immediately. I'm like, there it is. They did it. When we found out he was in the movie, I think we all assumed he would be like a cameo. Yeah, I didn't. I think definitely didn't think he'd be the role he, he was. He wouldn't be in the last half of the movie. <laughs> <laughs> and honestly, liked it. Yeah, I was surprised. I was like, oh, we're gonna go too hard on this character. But I was like, oh no, this works. Yeah, he's uh, Trevor as a character is really funny because like he's just naturally funny with everything he says because it's like everything he says has like. A bit of sadness to him, mm-hmm. so it's like really believable when he's saying all this outlandish shit. Like, oh, yeah, I got Morris here, and he's my best it friend. It sounds, <laughs> it, it feels almost insulting to say to Ben Kingsley's career, but this might be one of my favorite roles he's ever done. Absolutely, because it's so casually brilliant. Yes, yes. <laughs> yes. When when he the the funniest thing he says in the movie is when they see Norris, and he's like, "Oh, you can see him too, eh? Yeah. Oh, Norris, I can see you. I'm not crazy." <laughs> But it's exactly what Ryan's saying, where he has like this, he's comedic, but he's comedic with this sadness. And I'm like, you need someone as good as Ben Kingsley to pull this off and play this timing and this and this pacing and this emotion Mm -hmm. this way. Like this can't just be like TJ Miller or some other like bland. Yeah. okay, we can fill him in the role here. There's a actor. I'm sorry that TJ Miller is the first person that popped in my head. I don't want ever want it to be him. But but like someone who would feel like the way they'd fill movies with TJ Miller. That's what I'm thinking of. Like you could just give this role to someone like that and it wouldn't have the impact. The horse joke is. is, And and I'd say the same of Iron Man 3. Honestly, like his single like appearance in Iron Man 3 is so memorable because he packs so much casual humor into olé, it. Olé, one, olé. one of the things I really love about the MCU is when he uh, is when they used to did do the Marvel one shots. You're right. Um, and one of the most significant all ones all hail the king all hail the king which they just added to Disney Plus and when I saw that I was like oh oh yeah. Confirmed. Um, and, and what's really great about that is that was Drew Goddard saying like no, he was never meant to be the real Mandarin. He was meant to he 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 create they created something, and so seeing the payoff of the All Hail the King short film was really cool um, because I've, we waited so long for that, and mm-hmm. so sure. it was such a it, such a cathartic payoff to finally have like uh, here's what happened to Trevor after the Mandarin took him from jail. It's also, by the way, the last time we saw Justin Hammer. Yep, that, that's true. That short film. Uh, yeah. Um, ben is loving this cat. I have been chosen. It has been awesome. Oh no, she moved. <laughs> anyway. um. <laughs> Anyways, uh, yeah, uh, I had something to say. So yeah, I absolutely. So like I said earlier, I absolutely love this movie. One of the things I do love about it is obviously the fight choreography is amazing. But uh, yep. something that uh, my girlfriend Fanny brought up to me that she really enjoyed and I also really enjoyed is the fact. Um, how it switches from English to Mandarin. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. there's a lot of uh, like when the movie opens up, it's like in a. Um, this might be a bad uh, um, comparison because it's the it's spoken in Spanish the whole movie, Pan's Labyrinth. Because when it started speaking in in Mandarin Chinese, I was like, hold up, did we just go into the wrong theater and we got like the Chinese subtitled one? And then when they finally did speaking, they don't start speaking English until like what 15, 20 minutes into the movie. No, it's earlier than that. It's um, earlier than that. No, it, yeah, it's, a, it's it's like it's like a it's like an eight minute opening. Yeah. yeah, but still, it's it's quite a while until 
they start speaking. No, yeah, for sure. And, and, like and, all and the Mandarin's origin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, the 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 the, the, the Wen Wu mm-hmm. speaking speaking Mandarin in the film is really cool that they that they do that quite frequently. Um, there was something I wanted to bring up though, with the you brought up the fight choreography. Um, one of the things I really like about the fight choreography is that for once in the MCU, mostly I want to be very clear, mostly. The fight choreography didn't feel like it was choreographed before the script was written. Mm-hmm. It felt like it served the story. I think the only time that falters is the final fight. Yeah. Um. Well, do you, mean, ha- do you mean the final fight with the dragons or the final fight with Wen Wu? The final fight with the dragons. Because yeah, okay. I think Wen Wu is very much. That's my. Yeah, yeah. That's my problem with the movie. It's the yeah. dragon stuff. Yeah. Um. Yeah. I. Uh, it helps one that you have cinematographer Bill Pope who worked on like The Matrix and a bunch of other great movies. Yeah, uh, and I think uh, and I a think great that, eye. that shows up, especially in the Hong Kong sequence. Mm-hmm. Um. There is there is one that specifically stands out to me. Obviously, the opening fight with um, Wen Wu and and um the mom. The mom. Yeah. Um. Is really great. Um. The 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 fight where he's about to fight the uh Simu Liu is about to fight the the guy with the mask and we death fla- dealer death dealer and we flash to all the moments that 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 person tortured him in his life and mm-hmm. it feels you feel the weight of that fight it's almost really a bummer when that fight doesn't get finished that character is killed not by death s- not, that character is not defeated by, by death bringer death bringer death dealer death dealer uh I think they're cool I think they I think it's a marketing's fault and like like they have a toy and like I think they're underutilized. I think movie. we also missed. Uh, I think we also there there probably is a deleted scene because um, the weight of Death Dealer is supposed to be on both Shang and his sister, Jialing. but you don't yeah. get the background interaction with Death Dealer and her mm-hmm. because he is her big boss fight at the end. Yeah, yeah, uh, and and that would have had higher emotional level if they'd had the same build up history. That Shang and Death Dealer are given, right? Um, so I think that that's just absent, and maybe even because they looked at it and thought uh, this is kind of repeating that same beat, mm-hmm. and they felt like maybe it was more important earlier in the film. But I I agree. I think like Death Dealer is one of the like small small little missteps of the film is that Death Dealer's presence just isn't one hundred percent satisfying. Yeah, right. uh, because of how it's handled in that kind of talking around that context. Uh, the pacing of this movie is incredible. Um, oh my god! When I think is. about what this looks like on paper, with all of its flashbacks and when they happen, and the emotional beats that it's following, and the threads that it takes, I'm like, this shouldn't work, honestly. But it does. It's amazing how well this movie flows between its like flashbacks and its present pieces. The flashbacks are so brilliant when when they're used to uh, create two different narratives of Wen Wu, what Shang Chi saw. And what we're told of him uh, being like he gave up, yeah, the thing. And oh, oh, speaking of of All Hail the King, there's an interesting line in All Hail the King that I, p- that I picked up on when I watched it recently. I watched it this week. I forgot to mention that, so I did do a couple things. Um, they, they did a, they did a. Uh, there's a line where it's like it was dormant for a while, and now they're, and now they're getting back into the game. That lines up with the death of, of Shang-Chi's mom. Yeah. Because he hung it up. He hung up everything, and then when right, she died, sure. she he started picking up the Ten Rings yep, right. again. Uh, I thought that was also just... It's a throwaway line in, in All the Hail the King, but it, like, it works really well in this movie because it works to hi- to strengthen Wenwu's character throughout the film. Guys, do you, do you know who Wenwu is? He's Dracula. Yeah. Dracula lost his wife. And then For he sure. and then he 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 wants to take over the world again, and that's I uh, love that. Oh I shit, love I dr- love a wife guy. Oh I shit, love he it. is Dracula. That yeah. is a na- that's I love nuts. It. The the whole movie 
from the moment that it gets to Wenwu encountering their mom, uh, the whole movie flows just as smooth as that action scene does. Mm-hmm. Uh, the whole thing, like the way it, it, it carries from beat to beat, it moves that well until the fight with the Dweller from Darkness. Um, you mean the giant soul sucker? Yeah, uh, until that final bit. That's that's when that flow ends. Uh, but that's most of the movie. So. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Uh, my favorite scene in like in the entire movie, um, it is it is when when Wu first meets. The, Incredible! It it is like like the the enemies to lovers trope is like one of my favorites. I love that so much, and it is so it is so beautifully shot. And how like they're fighting, but they're like they're holding each other's punches, and like they're smiling. Like it is it is so sexy, you guys. <laughs> yeah. It is like. Like like it's like the, the energy's in the air with these two, and it's like oh my god, this is this is this is so good. It, that is truly when the choreography turns once goes from a fight and turns into a bit of a dance. Absolutely, and, and it's, and it's and very well I, done. That's yeah. what I got. That's what I was getting to with the the idea that the action serves the story. The action itself is telling a story. Right. The the incredible visual payoff at the end when Shang fights his father, yeah. and mm-hmm. they do the same. Oh, <laughs> and he's looking yeah. down in it. Uh, one of the the best moments in the movie. It's when. When Shang is training with his his aunt, who he just met, and she all, she does a very simple manu- maneuver of opening his palm yes. from being a closed fist to an open palm, and it's like, don't be so aggressive, like, and I'm just like, oh man, you don't just... have to, you don't have to only fight the way your dad. Yeah, and I'm like, you you yeah. you're you're born of both fam- you know, of multiple people. You're not just your dad; you're also your mom. I'm like, oh, this is the this is the good family shit. Like this movie has maybe the best family dynamic stuff in all of the MCU. Like for real. I also think one of the better. I don't. I, I want to sit on it a bit, a bit before I say one of the best, but definitely one of the better MCU villains. No, I, I, I think he is one of the best. I villains. think yeah. he's one of the best. It makes me really sad. Even if they never brought him back, I wish they wouldn't have killed him because mm-hmm. he's so tragic. He is. He is. He yeah. is so tragic. And again, if they, even if they can never bring him back, the fact that like it is open for possibility would have been great for that character. I think it was. I don't think it was a good idea to kill him. So I didn't. I watched What If after I saw uh, I watched Shang Chi, and it, you see the kind of di- same dynamic that Dark Der Strange went with uh, <laughs> um, Sh- Shang Chi's. What was his name again? Wen Wen Wu. Wen Wu. Yeah. With Wen Wu, because he lost his wife and he got crazy for it. So he put the ten the ten rings back on, and then he's like, "I'm just gonna go do some bad shit." I love how they choreograph the ten rings. Well, the thing is, like, it's not even it's not even crazy. It's like he's hearing voices. It's well, okay, no, but before that, before he hears the voices, all it is is a being driven by. While I lost my wife, so now I'm on the rampage for, and it takes years to find the person Mm -hmm. who was responsible. Mm Uh, and he's like, I'm putting everything back into, it. and it makes sense because I'm I'm a person who has lived lifetimes of yeah. leading violence. Of course, I'm going to go right back to that when someone mm-hmm. murdered my wife. Yeah. Um, and so that's that's you know it is it makes sense, but it's tragic. And then it's more tragic when you realize he that's that the force of the dweller within darkness has taken advantage of him. Yeah. And he truly believes believes completely. Yeah. His wife is trapped. And he needs to free her. Like the second he says, "Oh, my wife is behind, is trapped in the village." I'm like, "Oh no, oh no, this is gonna be bad news bears all around." I, uh, I, I brought it up real quickly. Um, the ten rings, how they visualize them, the the changing of, of what they of what they do for this movie. Um, I think that looks really cool. How they uh, choreograph the fight sequences to um, uh, to to use the ten rings in yeah. in in really fun ways. Right. I forget um 
I don't know what the actual martial art's called, but that is an actual martial art of having rings on your arms and like deflecting and stuff like that. Um, so it is a really cool and practical way of of making you know something alien, uh, uh very human. Right. Um, it's 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 so fascinating what they're doing with both Shang Chi and the Ten Rings compared to the comic books because this is without a doubt the the biggest power upgrade a character has gotten when joining the MCU. Because you guys have read enough Shang-Chi comics to know now, that dude's a dude. He's just a dude and he fights. Mm-hmm. Now he's an Avenger. He's an Avenger-level hero with magical artifacts that are like the most powerful artifacts on the planet. That's wild. I, and yeah. for me, this is, where, this is where my problem comes in at the movie. Um, the big finale isn't with his father, where the big climax. It's with a big-ass, stupid-looking dragon and he doesn't use any of his martial arts. I mean, you guess you can do the mom win stuff, but like, it, it felt just so like, like this is it, it didn't work for me. I'm just gonna be honest. It, it didn't work for me. And visually, it's really cool. It looks super cool. I love it. Giant dragons fighting, but like the movie should have ended when when he fought his dad. If I may, if I may pull a positive, because I, I don't disagree. Yeah. Uh, but if I may pull a positive, I think the the dragon, the guardian, um, who Mag has a qu- quick question, curious. If they are related to Fin Fang Foom, no. I will get to that. I will get to that. Oh, um, yes. <laughs> the guardian, uh, the guardian dragon looks really impressive. The CGI yeah. on it is really great. I don't have a problem with the guardian dragon. I think with I think with the movie's finale, with the tiny dragons happening in the in the city, and then Shang fighting his dad, that's a cool ending. And then we we hint at the future of the big ass dragon, right? I I just don't think that a movie that starts with dudes fighting on a bus should be having your main character not using his martial arts to fight a, a giant cosmic dragon. For me, this, this movie cost $200 million, you guys. This movie should have cost like $50 million. And I know it's a Marvel movie. I know I can't expect to like, I, I understand like this is, this is the thing it is, but like this movie was exactly what I wanted it to be. And then it became another Marvel movie. And it just really bummed me out. So Ryan and I talked about this, uh, which is that I, I think that Part of the reason this happens is because they feel like they have to make it clear. I think it was a misguided interpretation, but they interpreted that for audiences, they need to make it clear that he is an Avengers-level hero. And the only way they could really do that is with this dragon fight, rather than like if he just fought his dad, they didn't think that that would cement him enough Yeah, at this point in the MCU as that that level of someone uh, equal to the Avengers, which is silly because Hawkeye was in the Avengers. Um, Exactly. But uh, yeah, I mean like... uh, Black Black Widow, you know, like can can have that not be a big thing, like with you know, like the finale with Taskmaster isn't that big of a deal. Yeah, like we don't need to visually speaking. Yeah, uh, I I don't think it was necessary either. I do really like having the bit, the moment where his dad has the flashback of all his interactions with his son, and then releases the rings to him. Yeah, and essentially like amends of like I'm I'm sorry and passes. Mm-hmm. Uh. I think that's a good beat that I'm happy to have. I think it brings a full circle on the film that I'm really glad is here. Yeah, me too. Yeah. I don't know that it's worth necessarily having the dragon fight for that. Um, but I am glad that that beat's there, and I understand that the dragon fight does facilitate having that. Yeah. It also facilitates another important character moment that I'm glad is there, which is Sean grabbing his sister and saying, I will never leave you again. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, that being said still not crazy either myself about the dragon fight i feel like it was bigger than it needed to be i feel like we could have ended on the on like just the f- few 
of the dwellers uh underlings that had gotten into the village left and he had his final confrontation with his father and then ended there mm-hmm. so like uh, real quick um last like i think you can even keep the dragon the big ass uh, black dragon i think the guardian dragon's fine uh that's cool i'm cool with that one um if you just rearrange the fight so have have the big dragon thing happen and then he has to fight his father at the end still like that would work better. It just when you should have the finale of your movie be the emotional resonance. It shouldn't be the big dragon fight. It's just That's there would be no reason to fight his dad after the dragon. No, I know, out. but else you can rewrite it like, oh, like like dad, after everything you've done, you still like you still want to fight me. And he's like, it doesn't. I'm not. I'm not a script doctor. You know. No, I, mean? I get you. But I get like, you. There are ways to make this emotionally resonant. Because uh, for me, the end it wasn't because we had our emotional resonance. Then we had the big CGI fight. Right. That's me. Uh, yeah. I, I wanted to talk about uh, the design of Tallow, um, which you mean I think Kunlun. Well, more sc- interesting. No, I'm kidding. Uh, <laughs> than the MCU Kunlun. I'm kidding. Um, Tallow looks gorgeous. I love how it's shot. I love the 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 use of color in it and all the mythical creatures we see. The um, uh, I, I I really like how they populated that world, and I I just think that that looks really. Uh, visually interesting in a way that I've not seen in the MCU, um, and I was really into it. That's what I wanted to add about that. Yeah. Anything else, you guys? Done? No. Um. I I like all I like the uh the dragon scale stuff. I think it's cool that like I was worried that like it was just gonna be a vibranium once I saw what it looked like, but it's like oh it's dragon scale. Like that's pretty cool that they have that. Um. What's the connection to Fin Fang Foom? We were gonna talk about. Um. Uh, the post credit sequence. Like like I am ninety percent sure that like. Whatever this great unsucker thing was, just like one of many of Fing Fing Foom's like, like race. Oh, oh, uh, yeah. That was also that was interesting in the movie. Um, one of the things I was curious about um, is that they they start to hint that they're going to talk about where the Ten Rings came from, how they were connected to the to the creature, and then they don't. Yeah. Um, leaving us to uh, to have it implied, or even just to say it's not they're not connected at all. Yeah. Um. So just like in the comics, like Fing Fing Foom is from like this ancient like wizard dragon race, like from across the stars. Uh, in here, it's like an alternate dimension, which is cool. Um. But like, yeah, like the rings are sending out a pulse now that they've been like they've been used. So like, there's just just like Independence Day Resurgence, there's an army coming. Like they're gonna come and attack us eventually. So that's probably what Shang Chi sequel will be. Just Shang Chi. Sha- sorry, thank you, Shang Chi. It's probably just more big dragons, I guess. Or probably the next Avengers. Yeah, I guess because they are they are heavily implying that the he, that at least one of the next time we, we see him is in a, is in an Avenger movie. Yeah, that makes sense. Um I really like what they did with the 10 rings because we only saw really like one power used. Um cuz the 10 rings, they have 10 different abilities and I think over over the course of the MCU we're going to learn more about like what Shang can do with these rings. Um and like I I wanted to I wanted to pick up on a little thread that you said that you talked about with the finale. Um I don't have very many strong feelings about it being a being a, a dragon fight. Like I said, I, I really like the design of the white dragon, the guardian. Yeah, I do too. Um, but I, I really like that the choreography stays through, stays true throughout. Uh, when when he, when Chong is destroying the dragon, he's he's using his mom's uh, martial arts to c- to manipulate the rings in a way. And I think that choreography just looks really visually interesting. That I was really into. That's really just what I wanted. To yeah. Um. Big dark fight fighting a dark monster. Yeah. Look cool. It looked it looked alright. Uh, visually, I have no problems with it. It's just like emotionally, like I just I was kind of checked out to be honest. Um, yeah, I kind of see that. Um, I was really hoping for, I mean, I was really hoping for a bit of a more of emotional punch between the fight between um, 
what's the dad's name? Wenwu. Wenwu, thank you. Call him Mandarin. Yeah. <laughs> what between Wenwu and um, Shang Chi? But one of the things, another huge positive about this movie is I love. I'm the sorry. Hold on, real quick. I'm confused. You said you wanted more of an emotional punch between the fight or of Wenwu and Shang Chi. That didn't have enough emotion no, for you. No. You know what? Never. I'm sorry, that's the sentence you said, and I'm confused. Yeah, you're right. And now I'm confusing myself. I'm like, wait, was that the way I wanted to go, or no? Let's talk about actors then. Hold on, Ben yeah. was trying to say something else, and I interrupted him. No, no. Uh, yeah, forget everything I about said about that. But the one thing I do want to talk about is is the chemistry between Aquafina and Sima Liu. Mm-hmm, sure. Because I love those two together. They are awesome. Marvel's Katie. I'm really happy with uh, Aquafina post the farewell, which I think is a really great movie. I tweeted about it earlier. It's on Prime. Check it out. Uh, um, I was nervous about her turning into like a too big joke sidekick, mm-hmm. and I'm glad that they didn't go that route. I'm glad that there's a subtle arc for her th- under the film of her talking to people and being like, man, that's cool. You like found the thing you're passionate about. Like when she has that conversation with Trevor is really mm-hmm. good, and yeah. that's informed later when she's talking with the people at Talo about herself. And it's like, cool, there's like there's a thing here, and it's not overly stated. It's just present enough where it's like, cool, this character has something going on in this movie. Uh, there's there's a great um like if you don't shoot like if you, what's it like if you don't shoot if you, you won't miss uh, if you aim at nothing you'll hit nothing there you go. that's a good yeah. that's some good wisdom for yeah. you yeah uh, and and I think having that motivates her getting involved and doing stuff and being connected to Shang through that in a way that other films even MCU films don't usually do the legwork to make happen yeah so that's why it's really nice that it's there um yeah I I I think that something that's really nice about the movie is that there's an idea that Shang could have stopped his dad. He could have talked him down. And part of the reason why everything goes the way it does is because Shang doesn't want to uh, until the end. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, like what he, what he wants to do when his dad is on his way is he said, I'm going to kill him. That's what I'm going to do. I'm going to kill him. Right. Um, I do lament that uh, his sister's not there for, the conversation he, with his dad? No, when he says to Katie that uh, he killed the guy, that mm-hmm. he killed the man who who killed ordered the kill on their mom, uh, I feel like that's something his sister should know. Yeah. That that's part of the the thing. I mean, it could come up later, but like that that was part of the reason why he didn't come home. Yeah, he uh, felt guilty about to it. her. Yeah, and uh, I wish that she had been part of that conversation. I think that maybe even arguably could have been more important than than him having it with Katie, though I think to him maybe in his mind it's more important that he had it with Katie. Sure. Zhao Ling is awesome. She's yeah. the person who runs that fight club that we saw in the trailers. She's got Hope um, Van Dyne's hair and Hope Van Dyne's daddy issues. Yeah, she's yeah, basically. Um, I really like that her motivation is like, I wasn't allowed to train, so I trained by myself and got even better than you. I always love that. I think that's great. Right. Um, I wish Wong and Abomination weren't in the trailers, if I'm going to be honest, because I expected more and I got literally nothing more. <laughs> And I'm like, sure. it's cool. It's cool. I'm I'm confused what their situation is. It's like they're there and then they're not, yeah. and then they just they they just do the fight and then that's it. If I just wish I, I had context for what was going on. Yeah, me too. Because it's just like, oh, cool cameos, I guess. It yeah. is. It is something that's really an interesting space to be in with the MCU, just in general. Um, but and I think they 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 do it better in this one than they have in the past. Um, it is it is there to be like, oh, what's happening the next time we see those characters because mm-hmm. clearly Wong is doing something um, and Abomination is involved in some way and we know Abomination is in She-Hulk mm-hmm. um, which apparently might explain what's happening according to the director 
Um, because I'm I'm starting to assume, and we t- I talked about this with you, Sparks, um, that right now what we're seeing in the MCU timeline is 2023 is packed with events just happening at the same time or close together. Until we actually catch up to 2023. Until we actually catch up to 2023. Yeah. Um, Because I I think that there's a lot of the stuff that's happening around the same time or at least just close together. Um, And having uh, that abomination uh, moment says to me like, oh, "Oh, this is something that's supposed to pay off. Yeah. And something else. I mean, actually, that's like when you think about it, yeah, like the blip, like everything that we've watched so far is in like direct correlation to like when Endgame happened. Mm -hmm. And Eternals is like, is the week Endgame happened. And like, Oh man, yeah, it's just all right there, and they're not addressing any of it. Wandavision was like two weeks after or yeah. something like that. Thought, uh, up until Shang Chi, F- Far From Home was the furthest point in the MCU that oh, we've gotten. So Shang Chi has literally almost like no. It has like one mention of the blip, like hey, like you got to live your life. Uh, first of all, I think that's a bad. Uh, th- she's a lawyer, and she spent like years of her life going to law school, and she's like, you better live your life to the fullest. You could die tomorrow, so you're gonna go to law school for eight years. That's not how you live your life. I'm sorry, that's a bad argument from that lady. I'm just saying. They are partying every night. That is living your life. I'm just saying. She should. Right. That's a bad argument. So I absolutely love it when they're like, okay, it's midnight. And we have the early shift. Yeah. We can we can be responsible. Go home and sleep. Or. or and then they go karaoke. Uh, I love the payoff of that gag the first time and the gag the second time. Mm-hmm. And we were cackling in my theater when long, that happened. Long, long time. When they're singing Hotel California. Yeah. Or even when Aquafina starts singing Hotel California when she's trying to escape the high rise. Yeah, uh, Shang Chi doing karaoke is a, is a Greg Pak uh, creation from the comics because Shang Chi loves karaoke. Wong's inclusion in this film is really interesting, especially. Do, do we want to talk about the post credits? Sure, sure. Uh, so, so the first post credit sequence has Wong inspecting the the ten rings while uh, Shang Chi and Katie are there talking to Bruce Banner, not Professor Hulk, mm-hmm. and Captain Marvel. With her hair longer again. And I think that's very fascinating, only insofar as to say, what is Wong doing? He clearly has an agenda. Uh, the only thing I can think of is, like, he's, he, he's like, running some type of, like, Justice League Dark situation. Something. Because, like... I, I, he's, like, the only one keeping the Avengers together. He, he, uh, Sparks made a good point, like... This is something that like Doctor Strange would be doing. <laughs> so why is Wong doing it? Because uh, Wong's res- like the real responsible one. Right. Um, I I think this is him being responsible in like a a open field where like Doctor Strange should probably be doing it, but he's not doing it, and no one is doing it, so he's doing it. He feels responsible. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it is cool that they're doing the thing. Like, yeah, they are alien in origin. Um, they're not known of this universe. Um, and they're they're emitting a pulse. Let let it not be forgotten that Wong got really good at networking because Wong is the reason portals happens. Yes, it's that's true. true. Yeah, Wong is the guy slingering in. Uh, Mag, Mag has a theory that this is uh, the MCU's version of the Illuminati. Mm. I've heard people say I, that. Uh, that's a good theory, Mag. There's if, another Illuminati theory running around the internet these days. That's a lot way crazier than this one. Yeah. But um, I don't think these are the characters that you would do for the Illuminati. No offense to Captain Marvel, but like the Illuminati is like, like the brains of, of the, the universe. And as Sparks and I were talking about something that also bugs us about Bruce Banner, um, that all of Bruce's uh, character e- development has been yeah, off screen. That's yeah. true. So, so my major thing when I saw this post credits and I t- saw Bruce and he was a, had his arm in the sling still and everything, and I'm like, but all he wasn't, right. But he wasn't a Hulk. It, it bums me out only because I'm tired of, of Bruce's char- like strong character evolutions happening mm-hmm. off screen and we're just dealing with 
the next phase of it. And it's like, well, he became this thing. Like, he became Gladiator Hulk and the yeah. in-between, and here we are. And I'm like, yeah, I like that movie, but, like, I, I'm i not getting, like... And then we go on to Infinity War, and it's like, yeah, Hulk's not coming out because he lost the fight. And that, that one's actually fine. Two things. But then Endgame... Yeah, he's Professor Hulk, and we're not going to get the, you know, he and the Hulk. They just worked it out, and here they are, and this is who he is now. And then it's like, nah, just kidding. No, he's not. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, maybe She-Hulk will tell that story, but it's still like, I don't have a lot of faith that it will. That should be She-Hulk's story, too. Right, exactly. Yeah. So well, I don't expect it to, and I'm just so tired so, of it. So, real quick, Ben, two things. Um, There's a there's a, a deleted scene that's on Twitter that's going around right now of... of Finally made it to Twitter. Yeah, uh, of, of the Hulk during the Obsidian Cold Fight, or whatever the guy's name is, where he turns into the Hulk. That's that's that should have been in Infinity War. Um, and like it's a great scene, and it's like it's the Hulk and him like having like the Gollum talk and like them coming to an understanding. I don't know why they cut that scene. It was so right. stupid. Second, oh, I had a point and I lost it. I'll get back to you. So one thing I did notice because the whole time I was saying, hey, Bruce Banner is like normal again. He's not Professor Hulk. What what's going on? And why is there? I noticed there's this like contraption on his wrist on uh, Bruce Banner's wrist, so I don't know if that's, like, maybe a suppressor so he can just be shrunk down to normal size. And when he on takes on it his off. regular arm? Yeah, on his regular arm. On, no on his not slung up arm. I didn't catch that. That's There's, like, catch. a silver thing that has a green dot on it. Ooh, good so catch, man. Amadeus Cho. That's how he turned into the Hulk. Yeah, there you go. So I don't know if that's, like, a suppressor where he just, like, he t pushes the button or takes off and then he turns into Hulk, but he still, like, has control over it, like, you I, know, like he, I Professor deeply, Hulk. I deeply, deeply suspect we're getting Amadeus Cho soon. I hope so. Ooh. His because, mom exists. Because the thing is, you can't kill the Hulk, but Mark Ruffalo is old as shit. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and he, and he always looks older every time we see him. It's no true. offense to Mark Ruffalo. He does look very old in this So scene. I don't think he's going to keep doing oh, this for forever. I, my, I got my second point. I know how they can do, actually do World War Hulk, finally. Uh, uh, so you know Hulk got to Sakaar way, way earlier than uh, Thor did? You know, in the original Planet Hulk comic, Hulk has a, a kid on Sakaar. Uh, Hulk comes back, and in like five years, yo, man, Scar has grown up, and he comes with the warband to try to find his dad, and his dad is not happy. And like, oh my god, that's how you can do World War Hulk. And I'm like, they're not going to do that. I just, I just <laughs> as want... As long I as just Universal still has those Hulk movie rights. <sighs> yeah. Yeah. How, how can they? I have no idea, but that's they still insane, do. Because they still haven't made a movie, yeah. and they won't. They, they they still have the rights. Apparently, they constantly are approached to make a Hulk movie, um, and they just won't do it. I hate them. Uh, but so She-Hulk was like the the way around it. Sure. Good. Uh, yeah. Anyway. Um, yeah. I I I like the I like that that uh, one of the lines that I really enjoyed was when uh, Captain Marvel bailed and they and he was just. She, I don't have her number. She just oh yeah, she he, just yeah. does this. Uh, Bruce has got my number. Uh, he'll give it to you. I don't have her number. She <laughs> always does this. Uh, I think uh, that that's funny. Fun. Um, I'm looking forward to seeing Captain Marvel interact with the Greater Marvel Universe. Yeah. Uh, and capacity more than just a uh, hologram message. Yes. Yeah. I do think it's funny, and I understand it because when it's comics, you know, I've watched Doctor Who and Doctor Who has companions. But Shang Chi is this Avengers level hero with like these super abilities, and then he just has his best friend Katie tagging along with yeah. him. Also, <laughs> I love how when Wong shows up at the restaurant, also with the the way that the uh, that Shang Chi and Katie are talking to their friends, the from the beginning of the movie, they're like, "Oh yeah," and then he did like this comedy I mean, ah, thing that was super badass. I was like, "Oh yeah, enemies. oh yeah," she wrote a, she like shot the throat of a monster. And then, like, when Wong pops up, and he's like, yeah. And he, he says, hey, Shang-Chi, come with me. Cool. Oh, yeah, you too. Katie's not getting left out. That's, and like, I that's really, cool. <laughs> and I really like that. Yeah. But we're, we're failing to mention our favorite returning character of this film. Trevor Slattery? No. Oh. He's on a bus. 
Oh, He's Clav. making a blog. What's up? I'm Clav. Uh, I used Clav. to be... I used Do to a be... flip, Spider-Man. He's in San Francisco visiting his family or something. Yeah. yeah. Um, this is your boy. I did some martial arts as a youth, so I'll be celebrating this fight. Someone. Oh, you got this, bro. Never mind. Someone <laughs> said on Twitter that if he was the new Stan Lee cameo, I wouldn't be yeah. upset. And I was like... I don't think I would be either, honestly. He, he has to be in one of the two big cities, though, because if he's somewhere in like Nebraska, like, why are you in Nebraska? Yeah, Clav? like, he can't be in Guardians 3. It'll be like, <laughs> I got <now>. collected. <laughs> <laughs> no, he's just like walking to the Dairy Queen. He's like, man, I'm trying to get back to New York. I took a road trip to San Francisco, saw no. some crazy shit on a bus. Now here I am in Missouri. There's a goddamn spaceship up here. Why is there a spaceship above my Dairy Queen? No, I don't when, think that's too much. W- there's a moment that I thought was funny. Um. When oh, it was the bus sequence. It was the bus sequence. I I leaned over to my to my girlfriend. I was like, "They should just call Ant Man. This yeah, is his right? city. Yeah. He's here." I was really hoping he's for busy. A little some some. Yeah, he's busy. He's uh, busy and doing quantum shit. Uh, yeah. I I uh the last the last post busy scene. reconnecting with his daughter who he hasn't <laughs> seen in five years. The last post credit sequence. Uh, set, uh, the her his sister did not disband the ten rings. In fact, she took it over. Yep. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And it's all graffiti. Girl boss. Yeah. Um. Uh, uh, I made a joke to you guys already, but like, uh, sh- like this is the Sharon Carter that I want. Just get rid of Sharon. Make, oh, yeah. make, make Zhao Ling <laughs> yeah. and the Ten Rings the new actual bad guys, and like they could be morally like good or bad or whatever. Have her have have like the next time we're supposed to see Sharon Carter, have her just burst through her the way Ultron oh does. Oh my god, that's so funny. Oh no, I, now I really want to see Sharon Carter fight her. Uh, fight. What's her name? Zhao Ling. Zhao Ling. I want to see Zhao Ling fight Sharon Carter. And I want. It's not even a fight. Sharon Carter just Dude, dies. She would no, die. I, I want to see an ass kicking. <laughs> Um, yeah, I I don't know like when when she'll show up again and like she can really just show up anywhere. Oh, I interestingly, guess. they don't say Shang Chi will return. The ten, ring, ten the rings. Ten rings will yeah. return. I think they know that Shang Chi. We know Shang Chi will return. It's obvious because they're like he's because the second Bruce Banner no, says "Welcome to the Circus," like you're an Avenger now. Have fun, I, kid. I, I know, I know, I know. Um, but the the idea is that they've always done the heroes, and the stuff. heroes or Thanos of, of whatever, the, or Thanos was the only time they did a villain. Uh, and then this time it was the Ten Rings will return, which I was thought was really interesting. Um, the the other thing that I I really like about this movie is that and I always knew I would. I like Simu Liu um, from Kim's Convenience, but after the end of this movie, I was like. I really can't wait till the next time I see this character. Yeah, sure. This is a oh, new yeah. character that I'm very excited to follow. Now that, like, yeah, like, we know who he is, I cannot wait for him to just chat with all the other Avengers and to see, like, what, because, like, I'm sure he's just going to be like, oh, shit, that's Captain America. So, so <laughs> another one of the reasons why I really like this movie is that post credit scene aside, I feel like it told the whole story. Yeah. yeah. And, like, it, in a context where the MCU isn't the MCU, if I never had a follow-up to this movie, I'd be okay. Absolutely. Uh, I got the whole family arc. The the family is realized so well. Their entire emotional weight between each other, Shang-Chi, his sister, their dad, Wenwu, and also uh, Katie's connection through them and her own stuff going on. Mm-hmm. It's all so well placed throughout the movie that like I went on an entire emotional journey with these characters that technically I don't need more. Yep. I'm definitely up for it but I don't need it. And that's one of the things that makes the film so strong to me. This is definitely, mm-hmm. I think, one of the stronger origin movies. Yeah. So after, so I know we had Black Widow a few months ago, but after this movie was done, after we got all both post-credits scene, my first thought was, damn it, Marvel's back. <laughs> and I'm sitting there going, wait, but I just had another Marvel movie Where a few months ago. all year? Yeah. That, <laughs> no, I'm talking about like, I'm in the movie theater. There was a big crowd with me and we were laughing. We were having a great time. And then I'm like, man, this is what I miss with Black Widow, because after, because 
we're going forward. I don't know if it's because Black Widow um, came out when it did and it was super late, uh, or is it at least its, its storyline took place in an era that we already know what was going to happen. She did. But this is like coming forward. Like we, I don't know if it's because we have a brand new hero or we're just going forward after the events of Endgame. Whatever it is, this it's movie... Like it's seeing Black Widow was like going down a cul-de-sac. Yeah. Like you knew... You knew you were rounding out and coming yeah. back out yeah. the other Whereas side. Whereas this one, it's like, here's a brand new street. What what yeah, adventure think, is on that horizon? I think one of the things that this that this movie does really well is remind us how exciting it is to meet a new character in the in the MCU because mm-hmm. we haven't had a new character in the MCU no. for a while. Yep. Um, not since and it, it's really Captain cool. Marvel. Not yep. since Captain Marvel, and it's really cool to be like to kind of sit in that space, having followed all year characters we've already met, obviously being introduced to others, um, and and some lackluster villains along the way mm-hmm. um, and to sit there and uh, sit there in a movie with a new character that's really that's really engaging and a good villain to, that you're engaged with um, uh, I think that just kind of sits you in an exciting spot that we haven't been in in the MCU for a couple of years now right yeah. I and again I'm uh, I, mean, I get it for the story reasons but like I, I just super lament that, t- that Tony Long is never coming back because <laughs> he his his Mandarin is so good and like he's uh, he, yes he's a villain but he's so complex and like He's got that Dracula factor that I love so much. It's like he lost he For lost sure. the one thing that was keeping I'm, him human and yeah. then it turned him into a monster. I'm like, "Oh, I love it." I'm on I'm on the same side with you and like I just don't think there was a good way to keep him around yeah. and tell this this specific story. No, I get you. Because like of who he had to be, how he had to be motivated, what he was doing and his relationship with the kids. Like he can't survive this and also like then try to go back to being Papa Papa Wenwu and no, I get like you. things yeah, yeah. like that. Like it, it just had to be the way it was. I do think like that. Yeah, there were maybe semantics that we could have worked out to to make it the ending a little different around the context of like, did he need, did we need the dragon that kind of thing and like make the emotional punch then them fighting each other. But like that's the whole great arc for Shang throughout the film is that he has this such strong disdain for his dad. Mm-hmm. And when he comes face to face with him at the end of the film, he still wants to kill him until he has the 10 rings and he has the power and he could do it. And his dad's looking at him because that's the kill move mm-hmm. and he knows it and he's ready for it. And Shang knows in that moment, like, that's not what I'm going to be. And that's when he tries to talk him down. And that's when they have their moment. And, and I do think that there's a, a lot of great beauty in when he's grabbed by the, the dweller. And he lets those rings go, and and I don't think it would be as effective if we hadn't had so many excellently paced flashbacks that allow us to see like the whole feel like we've seen the whole lifetime of their relationship with each other, mm-hmm. and it flashes briefly for him, and he's like, I I'm done, did I did I did do it wrong, it it, it, it without saying it, he's saying in essence like you're right, this isn't what your mom would have wanted at all, mm-hmm. and I'm done. Yeah, I agree. Uh, really incredible, like, work on the montage sequence of, like, their life being happy. Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, with, like, them playing DDR, DDR and things <laughs> like that. Like, and just, like, it, it, made it, it, it couch, was such a yeah. small sliver that made it so effective. Yeah. 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 Uh, anything else we want to we add? Uh, I think the, the forest maze stuff is radical. I always love a cool maze. Uh, uh, stay um, in the bubble. Stay in the bubble. Yeah, again, tre- Trevor, I was worried... There's a lot of comedy in this movie, and I think most of it works. I don't think everything lands, but I don't think any of the comedy's bad. Um, mm-hmm. I just don't think it all lands because it goes it, it goes pretty hard. Uh, when, when Winslow's coming up, he's like, "I'm not dead, buddy. I'm just it's an act. Come on, play along." Yeah, <laughs> Norris. <laughs> Norris, thank you. He just hops over and plays. Yeah, he just like plays dead, and 
I'm oh, man because we all went the creatures we see, by the way, are, are from Chinese folklore, which yep. is yeah. really cool. Nine it's tails. actually funny because we s- yep we saw the nine tails. Um, I remember so I everyone's like, like, "That's a Pokemon." <laughs> that's what. It, of course, Fanny was like, "Hey, that's nine tails. It's a Pokemon." Of course, I'm like, "Where the hell's Naruto?" Believe it. Yeah. But uh, yeah, like there's that little creature yeah, we saw. Country. We saw some of the toys at a. We were at Downtown Disney beforehand. We saw some of the stuffed animals. We saw like Winslow, and I was, and fans looking at this is like, what the frack is this thing? I'm like, I don't know. It's like it has butts. Where's the face? That's the PG Doom Patrol one. <laughs> Norris. Norris. I thought it was Morris. 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 Yeah. Well, now we know. Uh, well, it was definitely uh, not Winslow. Well, uh, sorry. My, Rafiki. My, the one last thing I wanted to touch on, because I didn't really say it, is that I think um, Simi Lu is so comfortable as Shang already. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, he ha- he handles it with such an ease, bouncing between the action and the emotion. Doing most of his own stuff. And the comedy. Uh, he does a great job. I think he's the first one in a long time to, to have that feeling of, uh, this car- this guy is comfortable his first outing. Yeah, probably not since Ant Man, honestly, because I think Doctor Strange and Captain Marvel suffer from their lead actors being uncomfortable. Yeah, the first yeah, time. I would agree, hundred percent. What about yeah. Robert Downey Jr. when he was first Iron Man? Bro, he's well, since yeah, Ant Man. Yeah, he yeah. said oh, since Ant Man. Okay, like he's the best. <laughs> what are you talking about? Uh, I was like, his he was like, yeah, he was uh, rocking Brand- that shit Brandon from day one. Ant Man, which if he didn't say Ant Man, I was gonna say yeah, Ant Man, Ant Man for sure. Paul yeah. Rudd's great. Yeah, yeah, uh, was one of the most recent ones. Yeah, I don't know that anyone else has been introduced on this level. Since then, and felt that way. Yeah. Uh, shall I rate? Yes. Oh, All right, I'll go the other way then. Uh, ben? Oh, this is like a 10. I Ooh. Absolutely, Ooh. No, I absolutely Should've had last. I absolutely had a blast with this movie. I really don't have any complaints with it. I cannot wait to watch this again. This is easily, what, this is easily like, if not the top movie of my year, it, it's probably the top movie of my year, honestly. This is on the list, no, no doubt about it. And I had a blast. I was laughing. I was... Uh, the fights are amazing. Michelle Yeoh was kicking. We hardly talked about her. She kicked ass. Yeah, she, yeah, she was uh, great. Just every single person in this movie was awesome. And she I, had she had a, a a bad chore of being like the most exposition. Oh yeah, based character. There's one scene and like yeah. and like she gets through it just fine. Yeah. Uh, and it doesn't really slow down the movie, so I don't mind. But she definitely is the one who suffered from like you're the exposition. There's person. definitely it's like a uh, two minute scene of it's like I'm gonna talk about this wall. <laughs> yeah. Brian, why don't you rate it? Um, I'm going to give it a hot nine. Uh, uh, I think it's definitely one of the best uh, of the origin stories for Marvel. Um, definitely made me pick up more Shang-Chi comics. That guy's real cool. So Fun you guy. gave it a nine out of ten rings. Nine out of ten rings. Sparks? Uh, I would also land at, at a nine, I think. Yeah, I think I'm sitting I'm sitting in the same boat. Nine or uh, 8.5 or a nine. Probably a nine. Should we get into a book club then? Book it. Book it, Dano. Take it away. Hey, guys. It's me, Ryan. And I wanted to pick a Shang-Chi comic. Um, there's plenty of modern Shang-Chi comics, but um, there's a current ongoing that's only two issues in, and then there's a mini series that came out just a couple months before that. Uh, so I wanted to go a little back more in time, uh, and I decided to pick Secret Avengers, issues 6 through 10, kind of issues 1 through 10, if you wanted to be naughty. Um, uh, uh, it's uh, it's uh, uh, Mike Diodato on art and Ed Brubaker on writing. We, we technically did volume 2, which means we did 6 through 12. Yeah, 6 through 12. Twelve. Mm. That's what volume two yeah, is. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. 
I only read six through ten because that was the Shang Chi show. Yeah, me yeah, too. yeah, yeah. But that's that's Shang Shang Chi. Yeah, yeah. I was, uh, d- I was doing so well. I know I was too. It's all right. Um, you know, uh, years of doing it. Um, yeah. So rereading this, I don't think it's like the greatest comic ever, but I think it's really fun. Um, did, did any uh, who who read all of it? Did anyone? I know you I read, read one through twelve. Okay. Did you read any extra, Ben? No. That's I fine. Just, I just read the Shang Chi stuff. That's okay. And Brandon, you just read the the Shang Chi. Okay, that's fine. Um, I think. Uh. uh uh, did you guys find it okay with context and stuff? Like, you know, every issue goes like previously on Secret Avengers. Yeah, I, I think did. that's w- that's one of the things Marvel has always excelled at. Yes. Um, one of the things I wish DC would do desperately. Same. Yes. Um, as these kind of like recap pages of what happened. Of what happened. It's prior. always every issue of a comic is always somebody's first. Yeah, and I yeah. think that's really cool. And and for me, it helped a lot going into this because once I turned the page on that first issue on on issue six, um, after reading the recap, I was like, oh, I get it. Yeah, yeah, cool. I'm, I'm in, yeah. The, I'm in yeah. the story. So, uh, this this is in uh, this is came out in 20, uh, uh, 2012. This is the Bendis era Avengers. Um, this is after Dark Reign and stuff. Um, Steve is not Captain America. Bucky's still Cap. Um, but he is like he's the captain, as he likes to be called or whatever. Um, he's the commander. commander. The commander. Thank you. That's even that's even better actually. Uh, and he has his team of like basically like like almost like an X Force, like a like a secret ops of Avengers. And he's got like Moon Knight and Valkyrie. He's, he's becoming more and more like Nick Fury. Yes, and that's what I. That's honestly that's my one of my favorite things about this book because this era of of Steve Rogers, he's much more espionage Nick Fury. Uh, uh, a type of Captain America, um, and I think this book's really fun. Like again, I don't think it's like the best thing ever, but like um, uh, I think Shang Chi is really cool. I I forgot how much I love Sharon Carter and Valkyrie. I miss those characters. Um, they are uh, uh, they are very different than they were they are now, um, both in the MCU and the comics. Um, but yeah, what do you guys think about this uh, this little this little this little story? Spark, since you read the most, mm-hmm. why don't you go first? Um, I think issues one through five are. All right. Mm-hmm. I don't think they're very like door busting great. Yeah. Uh, I definitely enjoyed like the back half six through twelve much more. Um, I'll be honest. Like some of my favorite stuff was honestly in issues eleven and twelve, which is a two parter uh, exploring what happened to John Steele, mm-hmm. uh, which is the original Steve Super using Hank's technology to go back into a memory. Yes. Uh, and see when they got separated, what happened to him, uh, which I thought was pretty cool. Um, John Steele, uh, uh, for those who don't know, uh, uh, is is an old school, like old old character that uh, just like just like Edward Bicker did with uh, Bucky Barnes, re- repurposed into like, oh, America's actual first super soldier, and maybe he fought in the Civil War. He's really crazy. <laughs> uh, but otherwise, like, uh, I think there's there's some good stuff in the Shang Chi story. Mm-hmm. Um, I like the art overall. It's very weird to read Hank now with Krakoa so present on my mind. Yeah, and, like, this go is back to this era of Hank, and I'm ago. like, yeah. man. But you kind of suck, man. Oh, yeah, definitely. <laughs> like, reading Hank McCoy. <laughs> like, I, I think if Steve knew you the way we know you right now, I don't think Steve put you on this team, uh, man. No, <laughs> it, it was definitely uh, a trim. I was like, oh, that's right. Beast like, wasn't always an asshole. Yeah, uh, uh, be- be- they're both part of the Illuminati, and Beast betrays Steve so in Hickman's Avengers. There's this part uh, I don't think yeah, you Hickman guys... really hates Beast. I don't think you guys got to it, because uh, it's in the last issues, but there's a the part where John Steele takes one of the lab assistants and holds a scalpel to him. And he's like, I'm going to kill them all Rogers. If you don't stop messing with my mind. And uh, Hank's like, little do you know, all of my assistants are LMDs. And then like one of his assistants is in the panel and he's like, what? (laughs) (laughs) And Steel's like, damn it. And tosses him Ah. aside. And then later Hank's like, don't worry, man. I just made that up. And he's like, oh, Thank God, and Wait. I'm like, no, Hank didn't. What's LMD? Life model, Life model decoys. decoys. That's uh, who Max is. Oh, okay. The evil okay. Nick Fury. Gotcha, gotcha. Yeah. And and so and so Hank's like, yeah, don't worry, I made that up. And I'm like, I I don't know if I believe that you made that well, up. Well, now Hank. that we know what 
after reading the current X run and all the shit that that, that Beast is getting into, it's like, you sure about so that? So the plot of this arc of Secret Avengers is uh, Shang-Chi's dad, uh, who in the comics is Zenzu, um, Zeng, Zengzu, excuse me, um, is an old immortal uh, uh, Fu Manchu uh, 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 mystic man. Um, and this evil organization, the Shadow Council, is trying to bring him back. You got, uh, you got Thorn Drake, who's like a magician man. You got a robot Nick Fury named Max, who thinks he's doing the right thing. He's my favorite character in this. I think that character I agree. rules. I think, I think Max is awesome. Um, it's a shame you guys didn't read uh, the previous stuff, even the, the last issue of issue five, because that's the origin of Max and how he was a uh, Nick Fury life model decoy uh, who, like, I, who this, like, bad things happened to him and then he got, like, released on his own and just became this person. Uh, I really like that concept. So he was supposed to be killed. And Thorndrake stole him. Okay, yeah. And he offered him a deal with the Shadow Council because he's like, this isn't the way your life should be, and you know that. And so, like, he's kind of bought into, like, this whole lie of of him not being destined for the life that Fury has had and what, what he's supposed to be. And so uh, it's, it's cool. Like, I, I did think that was the best part. I think that where this suffers for me is that Thorndrake is like the overarching villain for the for this Brubaker arc because they obviously don't bust him here. He starts in issues one through five. Yeah, um, he's just there's just not enough done with him for me to feel anything particularly about him, and there's not enough done with Shang Chi's dad for me to feel particularly anything about him either. I'll say mm-hmm. the villains I care about are Max and Steel. Yeah, and so that's where I'm like, ah, uh, it's cool that Shang Chi's here, but like I'm not super caring about like his involvement with his dad yeah yeah i felt the same way because as i was reading this i was like okay here's shang chi's dad he's just like oh i'm trying to get back to being alive again because he's like a half rod zombie and totally gross but looks like uh it looks like the mummy yeah but also you got a a thorn drake or whatever the frack his name is and he's just like i'm an evil business dude i was more i really liked reading the banter between john Steele and max yeah same here and i had more fun with that as well as um the green mist of death uh, yeah, uh, Prince of Orphans. Yeah, Prince that, of Orphans. Thank I, you. That, that dude, I think he's a great character. That dude's another like old school cool dude. That dude rules. Yeah, uh, so he's part. He's part of like the flashback mission because mm-hmm, mm-hmm. it's also like a night that that he was out there with them. Uh, it's good. Yeah, like all the stuff with them, I was really really enjoying. And then when Shang Chi was on page, I was like, hey, Shang Chi is cool. But it's it's kind of like that meme from uh um what call it, Top Gear where it's like this is good but I like this more. I think the shitty thing about it is that Shang Chi ends up being the MacGuffin that they're going for rather than a character. Yeah, because they just need him for uh, for like his like his right, and the whatever, yeah. the Avengers are just trying to protect him. Yeah, from that, and like it even comes down to these moments where like he knows something's wrong and that his dad isn't there, mm-hmm. but he doesn't say it out loud to anybody. He doesn't preempt it. And so he just gets taken. It's just like one of those, hmm, wait a minute. And then he tries it out. He's like, oh, shit. Uh, uh, yeah, I, I, I agree. I think this is this is a, a pretty fine book. Um, uh, I, there is some stuff. I do think most of the action is really good. Mike Diodato is a very hit or miss artist for me. Uh, but I think he's he's hitting here. Um, the art hit well for yeah, me as um, well. The stuff, again, that, that like you brought up earlier, Sparks, is like Captain America saying, like, I'm not Captain America anymore. But like this dude who works for the Shadow Council, he's like, you're not going to torture me. You're Captain America. And he's like, but then uh, uh, Black Widow and Agent 13 are there. And he's like, but my friend, Agent 13, we've got no qualms with torture, baby. And I'm like, that's sick. And like Steve Rogers is, again, he's a, he's he's in his, his like, you he's know. He's in his fury. He's in his fury mode. Uh, and it's it's just an era I really like. I love Shang uh, training with Captain America and kicking Captain Ass. I think that's great. 
Um, Moon Knight, uh, Moon Knight shows up and just rules no matter where he shows up. He's like he's a, a secret agent in this thing, and he kind of is missing the whole time until you realize he's one of the dudes uh, on the inside. Uh, just fun stuff. Yeah. Um, just, you know, I like how when, uh, Mo- when Moon Knight when Moon Knight is made, he just takes off the he just takes immediately off the thing. Oh, back yeah. into and his costume. Like, yep. Under it, he's just always had his Moon Knight the big cow. The big cow. He don't give it. a shit. Yeah, I love it. Uh, like like the second the second Max is like, "What'd you do?" He's like, oh, "I didn't do anything." He's like, "Bullshit!" <laughs> I saw you. He's like, "Okay, I'm compromised. Help me out." And he just takes it out. He's wearing the hood already. And he's um, one of the other things I really like is how when uh, Eric, the Ant Man, he's trying to get Shang Chi, and oh, Eric he's, like he knows he like he messed up on the plane, and then like, when Commander Cap or when Commander Rogers shows up, he's like, "Hey man, don't beat yourself up over it." He's like, he's like "Look, dude, I, there was a thing. No one was answering the comms, and then he's like, "Hey, dude, you got Shang out, so good job." I uh, I love Eric O'Grady because okay, this is like the period where like he's a good guy, and then a couple years later we see him teaming up a Taskmaster where he's Black Ant and he's a villain again so like I love seeing these characters have their arcs and like writers specifically choose what to do with certain characters and stuff um I think there's one cute little panel of all the characters fighting and it's like and Ant-Man's like got your back MK and I have yours Ant-Man like hey teamwork who knew and it's just like a very like ooh raw like wow this is hella cheesy but I really yeah, like yeah. it um yeah I don't think it's like you know it's not the best book but like it's it's a good action time real mm-hmm. quickly downright nerdy podcast is in the chat <gasps> oh, oh no. late tonight uh, hey guys, Shang-Chi just ended, waiting on last post-credit scene. Just wanted to say hi. Gonna listen to the show in- manana. I love All it. Right. Thanks for uh, talking Hope you guys are doing well. Ben. Uh, <laughs> so I did message him right after a certain... Uh, Okay, full stop. The Dodgers and Giants are right now, we're neck and neck in the for, for winning first place in the National League West. Um, we... We had a, se- a three-game series today. Giants won two, Dodgers won one, and the Dodgers lost tonight. So right now, the Giants are in first place by a game, and we have the rest of the, of September you to go through. You know, if it was switch, you'd be like the Giant, the Dodgers oh, are be... in first place, and I'd be yes. like, yeah, by a game, and you'd be like, but we're in first, ha! You would do the ha. Yep, You're not... you would do the ha. <laughs> I'm trying to get better. Okay. I'm just saying. I'm trying to get about better. Growth. I love it. We're I'm trying to get better. And it's all in speaking o- about growth. I would only probably do the ha huh? if we actually won the National League West. We speaking haven't won the National League West. Growth. Eric O'Grady grows into Giant Man. He does. Yes, he does. This book. I love it. Uh, that was that was fun when he's just like the suit's not made to fly. So hang on. Yeah, it's like, the first whoops. time. First time. He Speaking did that. of giants, oh, <laughs> God damn it! <laughs> Beautiful. So, yeah. I was mm, okay. You know what? I'll let you have that one, Sparks. You get that one. <laughs> you know, I probably just the one. There's a bunch of other Shang Chi books I probably could have picked that would have been better representations. But I just wanted to do uh, yeah, something I, a little different. I don't know? think it's a bad comic. Yeah. I don't think it's a great representation no, of Shang Chi. This definitely hit better nine years ago when I read it first. I would yeah. definitely say that the other stuff that isn't the pr- the primary focus, I was liking a lot more. Mm-hmm. And I kind of do wish I read issues 10 and tw- or 11 and 12, which is the Captain John Steele story, because yeah. I was really curious about John Steele. I've never heard of this character before. This is, a, this is very much like Brubaker's a good storyteller, but this is very much a story yeah. that's about Steve and Steele and Max mm-hmm. and Thorn Drake. Yeah. And it's not really about anybody else, kind of a little bit about, like, you. I think you get the most play, I think, with Eric yeah. outside of any of those other characters. Then everyone else is just kind of there. This is around the time he was doing, or ending his Captain America run, so he's still in Captain America mode, so this is still basically Captain America and Friends book. Yeah. yeah. Um, anything else we want to add, or should we get out of here? No, secretly. Hey, that first mission, they go to they go to Mars, and they have to fight a possessed Nova. Uh, Steve has to put on the Nova helmet, which is cool. Yeah, that's pretty cool. He connects with the Warmind. Uh, cool. Get, getting out a little early today. 
Wait, I gotta talk about Secret Avengers for another forty-five minutes. <laughs> no. <laughs> um, oh, um, Secret Avengers is actually uh, this is a book that continued to be. To, I think it got, got only better and better. I think um, Remender took over this book and made it infinitely better after Brubaker. Uh, Brubaker's a really, really like he's one of my favorite writers, but his independent stuff is infinitely better than his superhero stuff. Brubaker is actually one of the only people who have a bad X-Men run. Oh. Yeah, Brubaker's X-Men is not good. Whoops. Um, it's sad. That sucks. So next week it's my turn, Ooh. where we may not have a podcast next week, or I Malignant. may not be on the podcast next week. Malignant? So we'll see. Um, we'll see. I'll, I'll, we'll figure that out, and and then I'll announce what my pick is on social media. TBD. Um, I haven't had the best run of picks lately, so I, this pr- the pressure is on. No pressure, baby. No pressure, bud. What do you mean? Well, my last four picks have been well, not well received by you guys. Is that I mean, true? It, it doesn't yeah. matter. Even then, it doesn't matter as long as you like them. Yeah, this is your book club. It's just what a bit. Like. Oh, is it? It's just a bit. Uh, next, week, next week is probably <laughs> Malignant. Uh, otherwise, uh, should we have an episode next week, we'll probably be talking about Malignant, uh, James Wan's new film, which we talked about the trailer earlier today. So check that out. Malignant. All right. Um, check out some of our other shows. Make sure to like this video. Make sure to subscribe to this channel. Mag, as always, uh, sending us off. Stay safe, yeah. guys. See you next time and catch you later. You're the best. Yeah. Um, Mag, make sure to like this video and subscribe to this channel. Um, you can check out our other shows. Uh, if you want some audio shows, some more audio shows, uh, you could check out Conversation, where my latest ed- my latest episode, now that it's gone bi-weekly, uh, is with Ben Magnet. Hello. Um, it's next week, this this week, before I leave, I'm going to be putting up uh, Christian mm. Renteria. So oh, I forgot to mention I listened I listened to several of your conversations and I listened to your 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 Howard Scott Warshaw interview. I forgot his name. Howard Scott Warshaw. Howard Scott Warshaw, yes. Got it. Cool. Okay. Cool. Um and uh you can check out some of the other video shows we have up here. There are currently two Fake Nerds Watch uh happening right now. Watches? Fake Nerd Watches? Fake Nerds Watches. Watch I. Um What, <laughs> 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 what was that? Don't worry about it. <laughs> uh there's What If, which episode four will be coming out this week, and Star Trek Lower Decks, which I am doing with Downright Nerdy and uh, Just a Little Podcast. We are officially at 150 subscribers. Congratulations, Woo! everybody. Very, very great. Thank you so much, guys. We yeah, really yeah. appreciate it. Uh, th- welcome all you new people. Um, and you can check out Basement Arcade. New episodes of Basement Arcade are coming. We've recorded a ton. Yes, we're, we did. We're really excited for the for these new Basement Arcade episodes. Um if we certainly if we can figure out how to do one of them, uh, I'm <laughs> gonna be very excited. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, and based on our pa- based on our arcade pause menu has more episodes coming, but yeah. uh, two episodes are in the description below, both audio mm-hmm. and visual yeah. um, episodes. Uh, Gamescom and Howard Scott Warshaw. Yeah. Um, so check those out. Uh, Fickner Book Club uh, coming back soon. We're we're discussing things, exciting things are happening, all across the Fickner Podcast Network, uh, a family of podcasts. I try not to say network. Um, Animation Station. You can check out Animation Station. Uh, our latest, our latest episode is still up there, and new episodes coming soon. Uh, Sparks and I might try to put up a new episode this week. Uh, I don't know if I'll say we'll put it up this week, but you and I are going to try and record a new episode this yeah. week. So we'll see if that happens. Um, mm. Both of us are going out of town this week, so that's creating an issue. Yup. Um, you can check out. We're not going together, guys. Calm down. I mean, we could have. Well, I would have rather. <laughs> <laughs> um. You can check out our, our mask. The pandemic's still happening. You want to go see some movies? Why don't you go see some movies with our, our Fake Nerd Podcast mask? Represent your favorite podcast at the movies totally. with our exclusive Fake Nerd Podcast masks uh, linked below. Represent. Uh, you can check out our Patreon, which currently has the, the exclusive shirt. I'm so sorry. The first shirts are delayed. I'm, um, 
I'm getting to the bottom of this. There's some issues with my family right now. I apologize. Um, and of course, you can check out a T Public. You want some shirts that are going to come on time? T Public. There you um, go. <laughs> <laughs> with all with all the logos you can find. Um, so cool stuff. Um, you can check out our website. All those links are down below, and of course, our website at fakedarpodcast.com, where uh, Ben has put up a new blog post. I did up mm. on Nostalgia's bitch. Thank you to everyone who listens. Thank you to everyone who watches. Thank you to everyone who watches the live show and the rewind. Uh, thank you to Jeremy Bellucci uh, for our theme music that you heard tonight and all the theme music for every single show. Um, you can find him at Jeremy Bellucci Keyboards. And you can find his podcast, Suburban, Suburban Proctologist, at, on iTunes or Facebook.com slash Suburban Proctologist Official or Instagram at Subproc Podcast. And, of course, you can find Mike Matola, uh, who did our all of our logos. Oh, not all of our logos. Uh, Fictor Podcast. Miscellaneous Fichtner Book Club logos. Uh, and he has a new episode of Fichtner's Watch in the description below as mm-hmm. far as audio, but you can find it on the, visu- the video feed as well. Mm-hmm. Um, you can find him at, at Mike Matola. And you can find us on all the social medias, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, all at Fichtner Podcast, Guys at gmail.com. If you'd like to get in touch with us personally, I'm at BT McClure on Instagram and Twitter. Ben? You can find me still riding the high of interviewing Atari legend Howard Scott Warshaw at BenMagnet27 on Instagram and Twitter. And you can also find me writing about why people selling retro video games for obscene prices is stupid and outrageous at OldSchoolGamerMagazine.com. And also, Brandon, if I may, I like to do a little preview because you said I got new episodes of Base Arcade in the works. Uh, not only is the episode with uh, Ali Sai, who was in the chat earlier in the show, also I'm doing an episode with a uh, uh, podcast from England, Arcade Attack. That's coming up soon. Oh, exciting. Yeah, that's getting recorded this weekend. Fun f- And quick little fun fact, with Ali, I had to record that episode at 2 o'clock in the morning for me, and with Arcade Attack, it's going to be at 8 o'clock in the morning for me. Yay. Time, time zones, people. That's how they work. <laughs> but uh, I'm willing to do it because I l- love doing this show. Ben Magnet 27 Ben Magnet 27 Instagram and Twitter. Ryan? You can find the future slut at DJ Tony Snark <laughs> everywhere. Uh, Sparks? Uh, you can find me taking my first ever trip to Disney World at Sparks Witty on Instagram and Twitter, S-P-A-R-K-Z Witty. I will see you at episode 256. Nice. You've never been to Disney Oh, you went to Shanghai. I've never been to Disney I've World. I've never been to Disney World. I've been to Shanghai Disneyland, Shang- but I've never been to I Disney I am World. envious, but also happy for you that you're able to go. Thank Subscribe you. to us on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, TuneIn, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Amazon Music and Podcast, and Pandora. Rate and review wherever you get us like this video. Subscribe to this channel. And until next time you see us... 